listening to The Net Live with Barney. You just wear some tight underwear here. And DJ Ruscha. You get to call yourself buff all the time. Where's Pretty? You promised me he'd be on the show today. All this travel and plane and priorities has been really getting in the way of our relationship. But we'll talk about uh, all kinds of non-volleyball related things. He dated Irene Kara. Gabrielle Reese. You can call me Gabby if you want. The only thing missing is a mascot head. Oh, sack does sound a lot more funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Net Live right now. Okay. Guess we're on. Apparently. <laughs> Welcome to the mm-hmm. show, boys and girls. Kevin Barnett and DJ Jeremy Roche. This is the Net Live. It is Monday, March 18th, 2019, which means we have been on the air for 10 years. This is our 10th season of the show. It began way back in January of 2009. And we only have nine listeners. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... Apparently, we've paid, uh, what, a million dollars per person, according to some people? Sweet. Yeah. So, welcome to the show. We will have Rich Lamborn coming in later today. I'm sure we'll get a full recap on what was Australia and then Doha. I haven't even looked up the Doha results. I've been so busy with everything else going on. Philip and Nick. Nicholas Lucena. Nice. Took a silver. Nice. Um, I read an article on the... FIVB website that Phil seriously considered retiring during the offseason. That is not surprising to me. No, I think you get to a certain age and accomplished a certain amount. Each offseason, you probably have to reevaluate. Do I want to go through the... Because I think every athlete that I've spoken to or heard talk about towards the end of their career, it's not the playing itself. It's the yeah. working out, getting up early, all those other things you have to do to be prepared to play in that tournament, that those things become monotonous. And when you have a family, that totally. radically changes things to the amount of travel and away time required of beach volleyball players. It's a real issue. And to be honest, having watched Phil last year, and I don't know Phil that well just from here on the show or interviewing him at the, the events, but uh, Phil and I don't socialize yet. <laughs> uh, yet. He is over it. The both of them are over it. Yeah, I could see that. But also, too, at this point in their careers, um, it probably needs to be, and this is just me guessing, like something, you need to find new motivation. And last year wasn't an Olympic qualifying year. It's those so kind of things. far from the, the Especially next. when you look at like, man, I have to grind yeah. this out for two more years. Like looking yeah. at it that far in advance, I could see that being a issue. Um, but then now that the Olympic qualifying year is here, he in the article was saying that he just feels like a new fire inside and like passion Good. to like get back there and all that stuff and great and feels like it's always funny to me where because of his demeanor on the court people can be like oh he doesn't really care but he he really does like he is a very yeah. competitive person and wants to win um, does he care as much about volleyball as he did ten years ago no because he has a family and other things like that but that doesn't mean he doesn't care. About the sport. Right? I, n- I never took it last year as not caring. Yeah, correct. So I don't want it to be characterized that way. No. And we talked about this a little bit on our No More Fake Phil episode. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it's not a matter of not caring, but certainly it wasn't holding his attention the way it had been in years past. 
Yeah, and when you're that good. Well, that's the thing. Right, there's another thing too, right? You have to, I mean, it always comes, you know, you always hear Jordan had to kind of make up things to motivate himself to keep that fire going, right? If you're Phil and it's Saturday morning and you're playing the lowest seed in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too terribly thrilled either. I get it. And you probably have never watched video on them at all whatsoever. Because it doesn't matter. Correct. It does not matter. And when we talked about fake Phil, I don't want fake Phil, but you asked me at one point, how 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 much does fake Phil win or you know, to, how many yeah. matches would fake Phil win or how good is he? Yeah. Yeah, fake Phil is like 90% better than every other player around. Fake Phil. Better than 90% of the field, I should say. Who has not blocked you. No, never. But would. If you stepped out onto the sand. What are you talking about? I was on the sand last year all summer. Didn't block me once. Okay. Yeah, still. Don't know if that opportunity was there for fake Phil to uh, stuff you down. Or real Phil. Yeah, either one. Either Whatever well, Phil you get is going to stuff you down. <laughs> no, that doesn't surprise me at all that that would go through his mind. Now, fortunately, Phil is in a situation where he's still healthy, still capable, still when he does go full force. Even when he doesn't, he's better than nearly everyone in the world. I mean, he he and Nick can contend for titles. They're, as shown this past weekend, one of the top teams in the world. Yeah, I mean, period. Like, yeah, regardless what feel you're getting out there. Well, just one time, I want to see Phil give a crotch chop <laughs> when he stuffs somebody down. Just one time, Phil. I just liked when they needed a, a point, he'd go back and serve full force. Or when they had to have a side out, you would see him elevate and crush. Because if you watch Anders Mole last year, every ball is just piss and vinegar. Yeah. Just up and, uh, yeah. you know, that he's 21 or whatever, right? Yep. Phil, it was like two out of every 74 swings. True, but when you're Phil, Phil six nine, and jumps really high, I, I don't think people Still. realize that as well. He doesn't need to crank it no. hard because he's hitting at such an angle. It's just a wrist snap, and it's hitting on like the five foot line. Oh, yeah. across court, which is ridiculous. There were many goofy swings last year that he hit. I don't know, sixty percent. Yeah, but to your point, yeah, at an angle where I was like. What? Yeah, I, I don't know how you defend that. What? Yeah. Unless no, you you're can't. unless you're standing right there. No. Yeah. You can't. And he hits those shots that you cannot stop. Correct. So, yeah, uh, good for Maybe them. Maybe you calling him fake Phil fired him up. We'll never we'll, there's only <laughs> we'll one way never. to find out. When he comes into the Amazon booth this year, hey Phil. You're one of our five listeners. <laughs> when I called you when I said fake Phil, did that fire you up and make you want to uh, beat down everybody? Be- exactly. That's what it was. Let me know how you respond to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of you before. What is the net live? <laughs> I know I've been on the show, I've but been I, on don't, the show. Yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Right. I would have to spell Dalhauser correctly in order to get BVB info to put it on here, right? That was a uh, AVP Media Day challenge one year to all the players. How do you spell Phil's last name? It's not easy. It is once you do it. Tell me. D A L. I'd probably have to write it down. H. Yeah. A U. A U. S S E R, I believe. Oh, I was missing the extra S. That's what it was. I had everything but the extra S. That's why. Double S. Was that, was that right? 
Yeah, you were. Yeah, everybody. Okay, so I want to. I want just want to take a look here. Now the question is, could Phil spell my last name? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh yeah, so they went through Pedlo and Schachter, Varenhorst and Vandeveld. That's another good win. Cantor and Losiak, another good win. Herrera and Gavera. Gavira, another good win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's all the way to the the gold medal against uh, Grimalt and Grimalt brothers, Esteban and Marco. That's Even, a series of good wins. Yeah, and the Chile team that they lost to in the finals, right? Isn't like a fifteen and fifteen, by the way. Yeah, and they're not like the necessary team that you'd be like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to win the tournament. But that just shows you how gnarly the men's side is. So one of them six three. They apparently played really. I didn't see the finals, but they played really well. The other really one well. is six five. Interesting. I've never heard of those guys. That's what I'm saying. That's how gnarly the men's side is. Yeah. Oh, that happens all the time. Uh, Mike Zadlow says they're cousins. Oh, they're cousins. Okay. Sure. No, but that happens all the time in the men's game. The men's side is ridiculous. You have somebody go from the qualifier yeah. to the final. Mm-hmm. Eh. Qualifier to semis is, is not uncommon at all. It is really a crapshoot with the men's side of the tournament. Women's side, it's fairly predictable, although... I think the last couple of years have gotten less predictable than they were, say, three years ago, four years ago. Well, you now have the new German team of because uh, uh, Kira retired, right? Right. Because of all their injuries. So right. I'm very curious how that team is going to. Uh, Laura and oh, what is the her? indoor player? Is her name Maggie, or am I making that up? Yeah, uh, Kozuch. Sure. Yes. And yeah, that's th- a new team. I'll be very interested to see how they do. Agreed. Um, how April and Alex will progress, progress from last yep. year. Yeah, all, all things to keep an eyeball on. I'm I'm very intrigued by Carly and uh, and Britt and Britt. Yep. I, I'm really interested to see how Britt Hochaver and Carly Wopat do this year. I think I think they'll do really the, well domestically. Right, and it'll be probably a little up and down domestically too, but I think it'll be up and down internationally. It's gonna be much harder internationally because it's just all brand new for Carly. She yeah. can she can ball. There's no doubt about that. But her, it's really her first full season on like Yeah, she played last year, but, but a real off really season time, and yeah. hey, we're doing we're I'm committed to this. Not that she wasn't committed last year, but committed to the international game and all that stuff like it's a totally different ball game. Yeah, and she has that opportunity with Brit now. You have a yep. chance to get in some tournaments. So yep. they will have that and I think domestically they're going to be really entertaining. If nothing else, it will be highly entertaining. I just can't wait to see the looks on some people's faces when Carly gets a hold of the ball and absolutely tees off on it. And people are like, oh, well, I'm not used to that a whole lot on the women's side. Well, she texted me yesterday or uh, DM on Instagram because I'd said, hey, I think you guys are an intriguing team. Oh, name dropping. She said, uh, she said, yeah, you're going to see some tempo sets. I love it. Because she's a middle. Yeah. So you're going to see some fun tempo stuff. Why not? I saw uh, the fact that she has been in the final and then is still playing at UCLA, Sarah Sponsel. Yeah. They're running a lot of looks like – they're running a lot of back sets, but it's set up where it looks like the attacker's coming in front of the setter, but then takes the extra step and goes behind them. Yeah. So the blocker's having to move a lot more, um, which I'm a, I'm a fan of the uh, quick offense moving around. It's entertaining. I, I like that. And some of the – you get back to the old-timers discussion of back in our day. You know, nobody ran offense like they run it today. That did not happen back in the day. Well, one, I was—I think I've said this on the show before. I was talking to Eric Fanoi Moana about it. He's like, think about if we would have done that on a big court. If you would have run a tempo on a big court, yeah. nobody ever would have blocked the ball. But nobody, how could nobody you? thought to do it. 
it's like anything, right? It's imitation. Because if you're somebody like who Carter, started it, uh, that's I'm sure some international team. Okay, probably a smaller team, right? You need to move that big block around. But if you're somebody like Karch and Kent, where just set the ball straight up and down, and I know I can beat the blocker, you don't have to innovate. The other reason right? you the, could beat the blocker is because there was so much space. Correct. Like if you let Phil, if you set straight up and down against Phil and let him set up, you, the guy's gonna average five blocks a match. Right. You can't. Do, you cannot do that anymore. And with how good these defenders are now getting to, with how well they're reading, and especially behind these huge blocks, they don't have to cover as much court. You have to do something. You can't just set the ball straight up and down anymore. Yeah, I think it makes it more entertaining. 100%. I think it's a, a good unforeseen effect of the small court. And wait till the Volley Vikings develop more of their game besides just hitting as hard as they can. I know they've done it a little well, bit, but think, just wait. I think the little guy already has. For sure. But just wait until all of that comes together. As gnarly as they are right now, even though... Uh, Sorum? Yeah, but Mole's the one that's hurt, right? Mole's hurt, right. Saw that he's back to training and feels like he should be back uh, playing pretty soon. I was, I was really impressed last year by Sorum's ability to hang and then locate a ball and, <laughs> and just snap it. Talking about yeah. Phil doing it, but this is a much smaller guy, 6'4", 6'3", yeah. snapping the ball to spots after kind of waiting, after jumping and waiting, oh, yeah. and then going this way or cross body down the line. And really still impressive. maintaining that height. Yeah. Right? It's not a jump and like... Falling all the way down. Something Todd <laughs> Rogers would do, right? He would wait on the right side. He would jump and wait because he's coming down, and then the block was coming down too, and he would tee off an evil either tool it off of you mm-hmm. or hammer it down the line. But he mm-hmm. was on his way down when he was hitting that ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys are a foot above where Todd was, hanging, and still at that location when they're hitting the ball. It's ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Yeah, he was he was very impressive. Yeah. And the reason you go after him is because Mole, first of all, Sorum can set. And you give Mole a good set, he turns into Phil. I know. Where, yeah, good luck. We've said it on the show, and Lamborn has talked about it too, but when he is at the net and he blocks, but he's lined up in the line, even though he's blocking angle. He doesn't dive into the angle. It's like a, a C-shape where he just sticks his arms almost diagonally across from him, and his head is still straight up and down. His arms are just reaching so far over. It is, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. 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 You know, another thing that's happening right now in volleyball is the men's game is starting to run more slides. I think a lot of people have probably seen the highlight the of Brad Hawaii. Keenan. Right. Uh, he, was, he would dominate that on the beach. I think a lot of people have seen the highlight of Hawaii running it against Pepperdine. There's one that just gets annihilated. But I've seen Hawaii doing it. I watched Lewis do it this week. I think, I don't know if Loyola ran it or not against them. I'm trying to think if they did, but I know Lewis ran it. I've seen a number of teams running a slide was that more with their of, middles. Was that more thought of as from the women's game? Yeah. Interesting. It's never been in the men's game, except oddly here and there. This is the most I've ever seen it is this year. Watching what, and why do you think that is? Because they didn't need to because they had all the other options. Like we're well, usually, doing enough other stuff, we don't need to do that as well. Or it's a harder the, set for the setter. The women's game, they run it because they don't have an effective D-ball. Traditionally. That's the out of the middle back? Right. The D-ball? No, the right back. Sorry. Oh, sorry. My bad. So what you do is you spread the court that way when you're in the 5-2 when your setter's front row. I'm a beach guy, Kim. Yeah. 
when your center's front row, that's how you spread the court. Otherwise, the blockers pack in. If you're running a front one, mm. back one, front three, mm-hmm. the blockers can pack in because if you do have a D ball, it's probably not that good. And it's not at tempo either. Got now, it. there are a few women in the game who now can run that yeah. in the, the collegiate game. It's more and more. Internationally, like a Tiana Boscovich, she crushes the D ball. So you better stay in front of that. Now, what teams did was they would run a slide as a different variation to yeah. try and spread that block out. Yeah. And then they created room for a BIC because they started running BIC on the women's side of the love game. The, love the BIC. Yeah. Uh, but now the men's game has started to run it. So I feel like at this point, the game is and not just beach, obviously the indoor side as well too. Like it's just evolved so much that you have to have all of these options, especially with the blockers on the men's and women's side, just being absolutely huge at the net. Mm-hmm. Huge. You have to move them around. Yeah. If you sit it straight up and down, and I have three, six, eleven guys in front of me blocking me. Like, how how are you supposed to get by that? Don't play Russia. No. I won't. <laughs> I won't, Kevin. Russia never blocked Jeremy. That that is. There are a lot of people that haven't blocked me, Kevin. And ask uh, Canyon Seaman about the time I blocked him. Oh, oh, hey, really, really. I uh, my eyes were one hundred percent closed, and I just threw. He hit the ball so hard. I, I was just Did it blow your hand. Listen, back? okay. It was where. When, when was this? This was years ago. Okay, what, it was like after venue. Don't pretend you don't know the time of day. Yeah, exactly. Where we were was, playing. We were playing. What you had for We were afterwards. playing fours. I think we were in Florida. <laughs> we were playing fours. Just okay. fun volleyball, and uh, it was at a tournament at the. I don't remember what day it was. If it was Sunday, Saturday, whatever day it was, and I like. I was just pleased that it happened. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't like go bragging about it. But then people came up and told me because Canyon was telling people because he just assumed that I would be spreading the word, <laughs> which I was like, I didn't say anything because it was 100% luck. I just jumped up and he went, tried to go wrist away down the line. Uh-huh. He hit the ball so hard. Like, yes, I blocked it, but it knocked me backwards. I didn't fall down, but like I had to take steps back to gather myself. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't like... <laughs> I wasn't. I'm sure the net was low. Kenny Seaman did hit a heavy ball. Yes, he hit the ball. He- very I, heavy ball. Yes, I was just, just. If you could see me, I just closed my eyes and threw my hands up there, and he almost knocked me over. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll take the block. Don't get me wrong. But is there footage? I no. I only in highly, your mind, huh? Only, only in your mind, Kenny. Kenny knows, and that's all that matters. <laughs> he knows, and I know, and that's all. It's just like my buddy Omar. I think I've said this on the show where. He denies this to this day, but uh-huh. he knows, and I know that he said it. He told me that he was related to Michael Jordan when we were in middle school. He will deny it. If you ask him, he will deny it. <laughs> I will ask him this summer. But him and I... Hey, aren't you Michael Jordan's cousin? Him and I both know that he said it. <laughs> he can deny it all he wants, and I don't care if people believe me or not. He knows he said it. I know he said it. That's all that matters. So Candy knows I blocked him, and that's that's fine. That's I threw my little Mickey Mouse hands up there, and he hit directly into the block. As Why wouldn't he? Because... He almost knocked me over. Did you know I'm related to Michael Jordan? <sighs> this, no, see, this is recorded. <laughs> look, can you see that? Look at the light uh, shining. We're on, sun splashed. Shining on me right now. We are sun splashed. Obviously, Lamborn will be coming in momentarily. Yeah. <laughs> God, foretelling the arrival of Rich Lamborn. Yep. Uh, can I ask you a question? Why do they call it the Bic? Because I think of the razor I, blades. I don't know. Right? The razor blades? Because it's the back middle. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know the history on it. 
I should. We just always call it that. Maybe Rob Espero will uh, chime in right now or use the Google machine because I'm not going to. Plus, I'm about to drink, so I'm thirsty. All right. Well, it's a good opportunity for me to introduce uh, Tall Slim Tees, tallslimtees.com, all the length, none of the width. You need to go there now and get yourself 10% off with code volleyball. Get a shirt, get a crew neck, get a classy V, get the uh, three button look. You can look at the model for that, by the way. It's a very attractive, handsome man. Like and a Henley? Yes. Nice. A Henley. They have a couple different Henleys. They have some collar shirts now. They have ties. They have a lot of stuff. So a Plaid lot to stuff, offer. yeah. Yes. Well, not plaid, but not flannel. Got it. Yeah. I like, uh, I want them to make the Kevin. Oh, just or, re- or rebrand the uh, the, <laughs> the small the small V, not the deep V, the short V, right? Which is the classy T-shirt, right? I'm going out to a nice dinner. I don't want to wear a button-up. I'll just wear the Kevin. You could even wear that with a, a suit coat. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And you would look like a Hollywood director, California casual. Exactly. So TulsaMtees.com. Get there now. Ten percent off with code volleyball. Support them. They support this show. So if you enjoy this show, you ought to have some Tulsum Tees for somebody. Hopefully, some people bought some stuff for Jeff Nygaard after our show last week. Oh my goodness! He's gonna he's gonna need it. Oh man, <laughs> he just needs like the comfort that that fabric provides. He will want that like a thunder shirt for a dog. He will want to wear something that makes him feel warm and fuzzy to deal with what's going on. We'll explain, but how many people need a hug after last week? Mm. Wow. We'll, we'll get there. I want Rich to be here for that discussion. Uh, I was going to bring up LeBron James and the Lakers dumpster fire. Here we go. And I know you're an employee there, so what you can, can or can't say, I don't know. But I was thinking about this, and there's lots of talk on the, the sports shows about his responsibility, his role in the thing. They've had lots of injuries, but so, lots. Have, so have other teams. When Okay. Here, can, here's here's my question, because there's so much debate about how much LeBron controls what's happening, how much Magic Johnson and everyone else is either doing what LeBron says or what they think is right or whatever. There's all this conjecture out there. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to any of that. And by the way, none of those people talking about that know the answer either. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't know that answer. However, my question is this. What if there was a veteran guy behaving the way LeBron James is behaving, and that would be arriving with all the fanfare, all the agent stuff that went on with the possible Anthony Davis trade, the notion of getting rid of everybody, questioning people's commitment. These are things he's actually done, is questioning his teammates' commitment. And I agree with some of what he said a couple weeks ago about, hey, you're either here to work or you're not. I, I really yep. liked that particular thing when he was sitting in his locker and gave that speech. You're a professional or you're not. Right. Um, but my question is, what if when LeBron was 22 mm-hmm. and he came to a team, mm-hmm. if there was a veteran guy – with all of that swirling around that person, how would 22-year-old LeBron deal with it? I think maybe he needs to ask himself what a 22-year-old would think of the whole thing, not what, what is he, 33 now or whatever he is? No, I think he's 34, 35. Okay, but he, I think he needs to figure out or ask himself how those people perceive it, and that's how he can deal with it because – the the shots of him sitting at the end of the bench by himself are not good. Okay. Yes, I I and, agree. When and you take a still, dynamic, you take a still shot of sure. the moment he sits down. By the way, he sits at the end of the bench every single game. Sure. He and has 
since he became a Laker. I don't know what he did with other teams. I think a lot's being added on to, as everyone knew it would be in L.A., if, being added on to anything that he's doing. If you're LeBron James, that comes with media attention, period. Sure. If, you join, if you're the Lakers, regardless how good of a team you are, if you're a Laker, that comes with media attention. If you put those two things together, right. opening night was the most media, Ooh, I've said amazing. this before, was the most media I've ever seen at Staples Center, and I've done game sevens in the playoffs. Opening night. Well, I think he hasn't had to be, he's never had to be this guy. Because I think Cleveland was different. Well, it was already his team. Here's the difference is like when, first of all, going back to the injuries, we had suspensions and injuries to start the season. Right. Like second game of the season, guys got suspended for punching Chris Paul in the face. (laughs) And then from there, like, we were the fourth seed in the playoffs when LeBron got hurt. Right. Like if the playoffs was started that day, we were number four. Right. I don't. If anybody loses their best player, it's not good for them. Anybody, and not not only your best player, but then add on top that he's the best player in the NBA. Yes. You lose that. Plus, other starters were hurt at the same time. Um, the prob- and you're in the West. Like it is. Re- the West is ridiculous. Agree with all those. Yeah. Things. But. It's been the team dynamic since he came back. There is a perception, and I don't know. I, you would have to... But watch some games. I mean, they're, no, I know, they're a little listless. For sure. Um, but I, I always wonder, like, if you t- actually talk to the guys behind the scenes, like, with some truth serum, I, I don't hear any other guys complaining about LeBron. Right? Like, even, like, right. subtle shots of, right. like, oh, uh, a player who doesn't want to be named said this. Or like, I haven't heard any of that all year. So to right. me, if I'm not hearing that, then a lot of it's just media. Everything, like I said, because it's the Lakers, because it's LeBron, it's all going to be. It doesn't look good, right, when he's at the end of the bench and nobody's there. But you've taken a still shot of he literally just sat down. A second after that photo or whatever, he's talking to Tyson Chandler behind him, talking to other players. Right. Like That's right. just where he always sits. And let's be honest, LeBron doesn't need to be coached. You know? And, like, do the other players care okay. if he's not in the huddle? Because, LeBron, you're bringing the ball down the court and you're going to shoot, and so it's all on you at this point. Does he Does he need to control who the coach is then? No, because I – well, I think that's a bad look because if you – then the other guys are now – if there's no – he has to – the signs of a good leader, right? Like what Greg Popovich said all the time, what made him was that David Robinson and Tim Duncan – who are the best players on the team, bought into the system. Just like Tom Brady does with the New England Patriots. So if your best player is bought into the system, everybody else has to fall in line. So He's, LeBron, I don't know if he has, I don't know any stuff behind the scenes. If he hasn't bought into Luke's system, then yeah, the other guys will be like, well, if our best player isn't, then why should I? He's never had a Phil Jackson, nope. a Greg Popovich. Mm-mm. He's never had a Pat Riley. Nope. Even though he asked Pat to come out of retirement. Yeah. He's never had a coach that at the end of the day had to say about everything. For sure. And I I wonder if he's prepared to be in a situation like that. Being that he never has been in that situation. You know, David Blatch or whatever that guy's name was, Ty Lue. 
Well, Blatch, uh, the, the the young guy in Miami, whose name is escaping Spolstra. me right now. Spolstra. Spolstra. Eric. But even in Miami, when he went there and the expectations were high and the media was high, not as high as L.A., but Miami's good, good high level 100%. of attention. Well, he also went with he wasn't, other potential future Hall of Famers. But it wasn't his team. Correct. It was Dwayne Wade's team. Oh, yeah. Well, because Dwayne had won before he got there. Yeah. Yeah. It was Dwayne Wade's team. Yep. Now, this is a situation where he has all that media attention and it's his team. It's a complex thing. Am I surprised that this year did not go smoothly? Not at all. If you look back at the beginning of the Miami Heat season, it did not go well to start that season. And that's a team that has three all-stars on it, with LeBron included. And a cast of other outstanding talent, like Haslam, Udonis Haslam, and I'm trying to think of the name of the shooting guard. But there were a whole bunch of outstanding players on that team, where this Laker team is really young. Yeah. And then you add in one guy. They're really, All you added was one guy. They're really young, and if they were healthy and in the East, they would be a top seed. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, if they because were healthy, they'd team, be in the playoffs, I think. Here. I do, too. West. I do. I agree. If they were healthy. They'd that's be the a 7 that, or 8, and I don't think they'd make it through the first round. That's the thing that bothers me about this. Like People don't, like, it's all, oh, how's this going to taint LeBron's career because he didn't make the playoffs? No. Like, oh, if you put Jordan, I keep saying things, like, if you put Jordan on this team, they would have made. If everybody, like, the health part isn't in that conversation, like, when you have four starters legitimately hurt, I don't care who you are in the league. You're not going to – it's not going to be successful, especially in the West. How, how is it going to taint his legacy? Please. The guy's been in the finals eight of nine years or whatever. Uh, yeah. You're not tainting anything. I, I would love how people want to pretend that somehow lack of success after success has a, puts a stain on what you did before. I know. That's dumb. But I feel like you, were you going to compare this to a volley thing? Like if you had a – did you ever have a leader, maybe you can or can't say, that are the are a perceived leader of a team that actually wasn't leading? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and how did you handle that as a teammate? You don't Poor, need to call anybody out, but – Poorly. <laughs> well – Because you were younger. Yeah. 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 How do you think you would handle it? See, that's difficult, though, because you have more life experience. You know what to expect playing. How do, but how did you handle it then? Thor Bjornsson just walked in. I mean, uh, Rich Lamborn. Uh, how how did I handle it when I was older? That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to answer that. How did you handle it at the time? I know you said poorly, but like, what does that mean? Like, Was there I jealousy got, involved? I, Were you angry that... No. No, because I didn't feel like I should be the leader. Yeah. But the role of that person was not earned. It was not – it was given. Yeah. And it was obvious that that person should not hold that role. Obvious. So it wasn't a thing where the team got to vote on who the – Oh, the team got to vote. Got it. And but the then, team didn't get a final – the vote didn't really matter? That is correct. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, Hugo Chavez's vote. It was we voted and then Hugo picked himself. <clears throat> kind of like the oh, – uh, Yeah, it's on. Oh, it's yeah, on. There you go. Uh, p- fix now? your condom, though. I don't... Uh, fix your condom. Oh, hold on, hold we on. Had, we had hold condom issues last week. On, Almost on. had a pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Get that thing closer to your mouth. I man. don't even know what, what the question was or what the topic of discussion <laughs> is, but I'm positive that Kevin's lying about the jealousy and anger part. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, least the, and, at least the anger part. And we're back. <laughs> mm-hmm. can, we, can we talk about Rich Lamborn's hair right now? Like the quality of the you blonde like the hawk? hawk right now? 
Sun, you like it? Sun, yeah. Sun died. Yeah. Sun, yeah. Yeah. Sun kissed Rich Lamborn? Sun kissed, yeah. Man, I'd like to hook up with Rich right now. Yeah, oh, the first kiss I've gotten in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Lamborn, welcome back to the Net Live. Thank you. I just came here to eat my lunch. It turns out you're doing a show. Yeah, you're like, dang it. <laughs> I thought we were just hanging out. The patio's open. It's still <laughs> actually sunny here in California. Uh, I wanted I, I wanted this to be known last week, but I'll say it now. Uh, the Net Live always pays its debts. We're like Lannisters here. Uh, for Richie USA, I wrote him, finally got him a Venmo from the appropriate account. And this is what I wrote for him. Your bitch-ass ticket to the frozen tundra to eat Einstein bagel sandwiches. An accurate representation of my time in Minnesota. <laughs> so it's March 18th? Yeah. And we were in Minnesota when in December? It's, you know, hey, whatever. Do you, do you use Venmo a lot? I do not. Okay. Well, so you get you get an email update if you initiate a transfer or if somebody transfers stuff to you. <laughs> so my <laughs> inbox was hilarious for a brief moment in time because in Australia. it's like... Kevin sent you an e- uh, a Venmo. Kevin denied a Venmo. You know, I don't know. Whatever it was, there was like six he, of them in a row. He was screwing it up on his side. Well, he, he sent it, but then it was from the wrong account, and so there was this mini panic on his part. And so I he had to send to it back work. and then request it from him from some other. It was hilarious. I showed, it was a mess. Was I showed mess. Taylor. I go, Taylor, look at my inbox right now. There's like six. <laughs> what I find interesting about Venmo is that people make their transactions public. It's weird. I don't think... I think you have to, right? That's no, you can make it private. All my stuff's private. Oh, I can? Yeah. But it doesn't It doesn't give the messages, though. I wish it gave the messages. He will still see... Like, if you paid Rich it just says and it's on Kevin private, rich. I just I can't see it. Right. Right? Because right. why should I know the amount and the emojis it's that you not put... not the amount, though. I don't, I'd have to look. But the still. amount's not there and the message isn't there. And I wish it was when I write messages like that, but... Uh, yeah, here's the weird thing about Venmo to me. Because Venmo is not a social network. I'm like, I'm like getting on Venmo to chat with you to send you a DM. Like, hey, bro, how's it going? Oh yeah, here's 500 bucks. <laughs> like, that's not a th- like. I want to chat cares? with Jeremy. Here's here's the weird thing about Venmo. I had a balance from payments from stuff I've been selling that I've been making, mm-hmm. and it will only pay from your balance first. It will not let you pay from an account first. Which became the tricky part with Rich because I don't want to mix the net live business and my business, hmm. and so I had to transfer out all of my money first. Humble brag. Yeah, I have multiple businesses. Yeah. <laughs> I had to transfer that money out first. Then you can actually pick an account from which, uh-huh. and you also okay. cannot have multiple accounts. I tried to get the net live its own account, and you cannot have multiple accounts that are attached to the same cell phone number. And it has to be a mobile number because I got a Google voice number for the NetLive and then tried to register that and it will not let, let you register that. So I tried multiple ways around it so the NetLive had its own account. Hmm. And it, you can't have your own account unless the NetLive has its own phone, which makes no sense. Two things going through my mind right now. Yeah. One, somebody's making toast in your house and it smells delicious. It smells really it good. It does smell <laughs> super delicious. <laughs> Two, I feel like you're doing something wrong. I don't know enough about go ahead it. Go check it out. No, I, I just feel like you're doing something. Go ahead and check it out. Whatever. Whatever. See, you I go, go the other way with that. I go conspiracy theory where, like, how are we getting screwed by this free service that they're not allowing these certain things? Uh, you know what I mean? Why are they not allowing that? It is odd that it's all free. It's owned by PayPal. But. Well, I think they my, – my very, very limited understanding of it is when you leave a balance in there, they're able to accrue interest on that um, sure. somehow. Oh, okay. You that makes I mean? sense to me. Okay. So, like, if you transfer it out quickly, they don't make any money. But if, okay. but I think people leave balances yeah. for, and they only, you know, I mean, 
you can only do a certain amount at a time, right? Well, now you have Venmo cards. Like I'm a debit surprised card. at the amount of people that use it because it all of a sudden exploded that everybody wanted to pay me via Venmo or yeah. get Venmo. Well, like, like my bank account I didn't even has like Zeal or whatever. Like there's other stuff, but yeah. that's specifically for. I mean, you can get the app, but like my bank has that specifically, but everybody can have Venmo regardless what bank you have. So it's just easier for everybody. I felt like for a while that it was uh, like the citywide commercial, not Citibank. Do you remember the SNL citywide thing? We make change. What year was this? Oh, this is old. So then no. They're like, yeah, <laughs> we, we make change here, here at citywide. You, we make them up with combinations you never thought of. If you want a five, we may give you four ones. Two dimes, a nickel, and three quarters. <laughs> and they're talking, you know, it's the old Citibank commercials. Remember they, where they'd have like the, the teller kind of side lit and talking? And I'll, I'll show it to you. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. And they go, I can't well, wait. And you may ask, how do you make money on this? You know, volume. Because <laughs> well, yeah. just, they're just giving exact change. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> how do you make money? Volume. You know who hates Venmo is the uh, friend in your circle that habitually didn't pay their portion of dinner? <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, oh, dude, I, oh, shoot, I don't have my oh, wallet. How about Venmo? Damn it. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I complain about a friend in my circle then right now? Here we go. <laughs> All right. So here's, here's what happened. Actually, a, a couple in our circle. For years, this couple would drink like fish. Mm-hmm. And then when the bill came, let's just split the bill. Just 10 ways or whatever, we'll split the bill, right? Yeah. You drank five drinks. I had one. Right. Whatever. Fine, I'll pay the bill. I'm not going to throw a fit about it. They all of a sudden stop drinking. Except for on the net life. <laughs> they all of a sudden stop drinking and go cold turkey. Oh, they don't want to pay. They don't now what happens? Yes. You, you do just the food and then... Oh, alcohol. I didn't have any drinks. Can we, no, I, I'm not going to just split it. Yeah. You owe me for five years of like <laughs> boozing. Right. Yeah. I'm not happy about it. Sounds like uh, people who shouldn't be friends anymore. Actually, I still like them. Well, yeah, that's fine, but why eat meals with them? Yeah. Let's meet I'll meet, I'll meet you after dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I got to watch freaking commercials on Disney now. All right. You guys going to talk about volleyball? Hey, Mike. That was just like that Michael. Was, that was a nice little insight for the listenership of the Net Live into what it's like texting with Kevin. Yeah. He, he just, just jumps in in the middle of a conversation that no one else is referred to. to Disney commercials that we. <laughs> Now he's showing us, like, still out of context. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Michael, if this is your first time tuning into the Net Live, I apologize because volleyball is not something we always talk about because <laughs> now Kevin's showing us commercials. Nobody, no, Kevin, nobody wants to hear this. Let's talk. This is the Citywide commercial. Yeah. yeah, nobody cares. It's good stuff. Is we, it we may give you t- 10 and 2 fives. Yeah. We may work with you. I'm happy. Uh, uh, Michael, we did talk about volleyball a lot. To start yeah. Did you just tune in right now? Because we were talking about By the way, earlier. Michael Saeda, lefty with the nastiest jump serve around. Super nasty jump serve. So does he want us to talk about that instead of Venmo? I'm sure he's happy now. All right. let's. Rich, since we got you here, let's discuss Australia and Doha. Okay, I don't know much about Doha. I was not there, but I can... Oh, you didn't go. I, I did notice you were here. Okay. I will... Uh, well, the those that went are back today. Tyler was here. Because it, uh, it's a men's only tournament. Right. And it ends on Saturday over there, I think. It's a couple oddities. Yeah. Okay. Sunday is, you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't speak with authority on this, but uh, in Muslim countries, I think, you know, they have some different rules. <laughs> some different rules. Some different rules. 
Um, yeah, Phil and Nick to the finals there, though, with uh, – I don't want to say relative ease, but it looked like they, they had some fairly had smooth some good results. Wins, yeah. too. We talked about who they beat, and they had some solid wins. Uh, we went through them, the teams that they defeated. Pedlo and Schachter, mm-hmm. Varenhorst and Vandeveld, mm-hmm. Cantor Losiak, Herrera Gavira. All top teams that you just rattled off. Yeah, yeah and they... Varenhorst Vandeveld is a new team, but uh, probably neither of you guys have seen Vandeveld play. That guy has an absolute cannon. <laughs> 6'6", 24 years old. Yeah. Yeah, and he's teamed with Varenhorst, who's 6'11". Done jail time in England. Vandeveld? Mm-hmm. Uh, four. Hooking up with a 12-year-old. Ooh. Is the term actually called hooking up? Wouldn't we refer to it as called... The, I don't know all the details. Is it the Michael Jackson I don't know no? all the... No, oh. it, it's one of those... Too it's soon? one of those things Too soon? where... Apparently... You know, it was a consensual thing, but you there, can't, but as that's, a twelve-year-old, you can't consent. Exactly. Twelve <laughs> exactly. for real. Twelve? Or are we exaggerating? No, I don't think that's an exaggeration. Uh, that's why there's laws about that because you cannot consent as a twelve-year-old. In fairness, he wasn't twenty-four; he was twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not entirely sure of the time frame on that either. Yikes. But uh, yeah. so, not to make light of it, but when he travels the world, does he have to register everywhere he goes as a pedophile? I don't know any of the fallout. I just know that that uh, you haven't followed up on all this, Rich. <laughs> no, because he was he was in Huntington Beach. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you remember him. He's blonde guy, Cannon. Played sure. with, played with a smaller guy uh, in that tournament, and they went on two a lot because oh, his, okay. his yeah. smaller I'm guy. I'm sure if I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, first line of his Wikipedia is a Dutch volleyball player and convicted rapist. Hmm. That's the first line of it. I'm guessing he didn't write his own Wikipedia page. In March 2016, Vandeveld admitted to four counts of rape against a 12-year-old child and was placed on the violent and sex offender registry <sighs> indefinitely. So I wasn't exaggerating, right? No. He was sentenced to serve four years in a UK prison. Yikes. Commenting on the case. The word detective, prison, by the way, is I don't think he did, no joke. I don't think he did four years, but uh, he, that's what he that was, was sentenced sentence, to. Yeah. No. Vandeville, uh, this is according to the police officer, Vandeville traveled to the UK where he raped a child who he had befriended on social media while being aware of her age. Oh. Uh. Well, yeah, that's that's the other kind of uh, crazy part of that you is the travel, travel that. to do it. Mm. You can't do that. Well, <sighs> well, he did. The uh, UK courts agreed with you. Yeah. Jesus. Uh. Okay. That's gnarly. Not real... Stoked on any of that. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't mean to so back to Phil and Nick doing so really well on the Anyways, uh, that was a good win by Phil and Nick. <laughs> good talk to talk about volleyball. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Michael. Good idea. Thanks, Michael, for making <laughs> us talk volley. <laughs> Jeez. I'm well, th- what's uh, surprising, there's a couple of things surprising to me about the Doha tournament. One, that the Grimalts won back-to-back. They won Sydney and they won Doha. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also had some really, really impressive wins if you look at their route to the final. Uh, they, I think they lost their first match maybe to uh, Clemens and Alex, Doppler-Horst. Uh, came out of their pool. Then in the first round, I think they beat uh, they beat uh, Mole and Sorum, but it wasn't the Mole. Yeah. It was the older brother Mole. Uh, <laughs> and then they beat Guto Simon, and then they beat, yeah, I don't know, a couple other really good teams. Uh, on the way to beating Phil and Nick in the final. 
which is, you know, they, they came out of the qualifier, in fact. They were the one seed in the yeah. qualifier. Yeah, Adrian, uh, Adrian Carambola and Enrico Rossi, who got silver in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Carambola or Carambola? Uh, I'm going to say Carambola. Okay. <laughs> who, yeah, I'll say something else about him in just a second. They got to the final of Sydney. Noted for his skyball. Noted for Mr. Skyball. Mm. Just, God, that's <laughs> such a good serve and such a terrible nickname. <laughs> um, they lost in the first round. Of the qualifier. The men's side is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So, Adrian is funny because in Sydney, you never saw him with a shirt on. The kid has gotten, <laughs> he's gotten in good shape, got some abs, you know, and he is not afraid to flaunt it now. Good. For like 10 years. Yeah. No matter the weather outside, you never right. saw him without a shirt on. Yeah. And now he will never put a shirt on. Good yeah. for him. Yeah, absolutely. If you got abs like that, let them if you let those puppies it, breathe. Flaunt it. And he's not afraid to do the like the second part of that which is where the like Brazilian skivvies. <laughs> yeah. They're over there practicing no shirt and he's just, you know. Is he Woody Harrelson? He might be. If we put him in a multicolored hat, can we can we get some cash money in some games if he just wanders by the beach? Like white man can't jump. That's actually uh, a good reference, Kevin. Good job. I wasn't. I thought you were just talking about kind of the quirkiness, but yeah, I see where you're going with that. Because particularly years ago, still an incredibly talented volleyball player, in his less than ripped look, yeah, you could have made some serious money betting. I'll take that guy. Well, because he right. does things like uh, Rafu and Ed Ratledge. Like it's weird. It's not the typical. But he sees the game well too. Oh, one hundred percent. But it's just it's not the traditional bump set spike. There's weird stuff that he does. Well, and that's what he and his new partner are doing as well. They're running shoots and quicks to. and all yep. that kind of stuff. Like his, they do the thing. I saw it a couple of times in Sydney where his partner, who's the left sider, of course, runs around the back quickly and he sets it over for. Oh yeah, yeah. There. I yeah. love it. Yeah, because the blocker's like, ah, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't be Son like, ah, oh, I'd be super angry. But it was it's kind of interesting. I mean, this is an ongoing discussion on the world tour in general. And I mean, in sports in general, I suppose, is a team comes out with kind of some new tricks, yeah. you say, new approaches like that. And how quickly do people catch up well, or adjust? Yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? If Once people adjust to you, then now determines how good of a team you are. Can you now adjust back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, that's a game that when you're firing on all cylinders is very difficult to defend, but there's a pretty high risk-reward element to it, I would think. Yeah. It requires a lot of precision when you're running all these play sets in the sand. Well, and then once it's on film a lot, maybe you can pick up, like, maybe Adrian is shifting his body a certain way where you know he's going to set it over. Yeah, maybe. I, I just, I mean, I think it comes down to uh, the level of precision with which you can run that because, you know, I mean, we could liken it to uh, the dominant Brazil team that, you know, we saw from 2002 to 2010, essentially, right? They were so good because they were so precise mm-hmm. at that fast offense. And I mean, you had to be in order to keep beating people because. Anything less than perfect precision, you have kind of no options against yeah. a block like Russia or something, right? Well, the blocks are so huge now. You have to move them around. Yeah. Have to. Uh, did you guys not go to Doha, just travel stuff, or just one of those, like, here's a tournament we're just not going to go to? 
Yeah, it was kind of one or the other for us in our minds. And um, I don't know, the way the star system is, like a third and a three-star is essentially the same. It's like 20 points different than a fifth and a four-star. And conceivably easier to come by, but our fifth-place finish would maybe uh, dispute that notion. (laughs) But, but I mean, you know, then again, if you look at the field in Doha – a fifth was really hard to come by. Yeah, as well. I mean, you know, I mean, Trevor and Tri, which uh, is a very, very good team, got a seventeenth. They run into Toll Wickler mm. in the first round of the playoffs, which is you know a young German team, but a team that's very, very strong. And Why I mean, are the margins so small on the men's side? I don't know. The uh, athletes just keep getting bigger and better. Uh, I don't. I, I guess. That's there's exceptions to that. Even that team I just mentioned, Toll Wickler, the uh, the blocker is huge. The defender's not that big, but he's pretty physical, and he's a really really talented volleyball player. I don't know. We were talking. I, I went to the uh, BYU UCLA game a few weeks back. That was in not in Pauly, whatever their other the Wooden Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were discussing like how huge all the players are compared to like when you and I were in college. Like yeah, George more, George Romain was an enormous guy. I mean, he's physically, physically he's huge, but like height wise, he's not. He's six eight. He's six eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> bad ex- bad example, but I mean, the overall he was like size the peak gonna, at I mean, that time. You're like that guy is a monster. You have like whole squads of guys that are that size now. It seems like. Yeah. Well, humans are getting bigger for sure. Yeah. Somebody was saying, I don't know more. People like that, more athletes of that ilk are gravitating towards volleyball. Maybe. Well, that's what I say. I think the sport is getting more of those athletes, right, that aren't yeah. playing basketball or whatever else that any high school coach, if you're tall, is like, hey, come play basketball. And it's like, nah, I'd rather side out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, it's just, it's interesting. And you're seeing that on the beach as well. Because the old notion that, not to, get into the whole old school volleyball thread <laughs> that is just uh, painfully stupid in my opinion uh, that big guys couldn't survive on a bigger court because they don't have the ball control. I mean, go watch five minutes of the tournament in Doha and watch Oleg Stoyanovsky control the ball out there and goofy footed absolutely thumped the freaking four foot line cross court. You, you know what I mean? It's uh, It also goes to if the big guys had to play on that court, they would play on that court. You tell me Phil couldn't play on the big court? Well, right. That's that's always my rebuttal to that. <laughs> you tell it's me like, Jake couldn't play on the big you, court? Come you on. think giving Phil more space with which to operate it would be a good <laughs> recipe for you? Yeah, I mean, Correct. You know, well, I got him now. Yeah. <laughs> the, and if and when you watch that, that old And his jump serve on a big court? Come on. Right. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> no, that, that's... It's just dumb. Some, some guys wouldn't enjoy it for sure. Here's Here's the reality for those guys. Okay, some those old guys who feel that way. That's in a world where less than a sixth of the population of the entire United States only, and less than whatever, a 200th or whatever the math is on the world, happened to play this one particular game that you were getting paid a bunch of money to do. So good for you that you were the best athlete out of, I don't know, 100,000 people. Well, now that pool is 10 million people yeah. that play the sport. 
So good luck. Yeah, come on in if you're six foot three ish, left handed, somewhat athletic, drink like a fish all weekend, and I was still taking fifths. Yeah, (laughs) come do it now. Bring bring your old self. Bring your old twenty one year old self to the beach. Do that. See how it works out because you ain't getting through the qualifier. Correct. But that's the difference, though. Those guys, if they were coming up in today's And I'm era, thinking of one person in particular. Yes, they would train differently. They would eat differently. Just like if Jake, I don't know that that guy would. If they were <laughs> serious, Karch would have. 100%. Yes, that, that guy would have. Yes, of course. Like if Jake and Taylor were playing back in the day and had to play side-out scoring – they would train differently than they do now. Yeah. I mean, that's just... No, but the population thing is a real thing. For the sure. The only people who played beach volleyball on a, quote, professional level were here in Southern California. They're air quotes, by the way, in case anybody wasn't watching it at all. It was only here. That's and, why you moved here. And then they made it... They would complain the World Tour was such a joke. Well, you should have seen it coming because if you all of a sudden opened the game to, instead of this many people, yeah. this many people, yeah, it's going to be a lot different world. And it is now. I mean, you're getting the, the Russian guys. That guy's unstoppable. If everything goes right in the play for that guy, that ball's not coming back. <laughs> I think that's a team that the Grimalds beat on their way to the finals. Stoyanovsky and Krizilnikov, no. which is... <laughs> Men's side is, I mean... <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. No, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in, in that particular yeah. world. And, and you've, we've seen, we talked about the innovation earlier and the pace and that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is with some of these athletes now and, and some of the athletes back then, but now in a wider pool of people, if you set Stoyanovsky, if he passes the ball perfect, he gets a perfect set, what are your chances of returning that ball? Mine, none. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very low. Yeah, really I mean, low, like in the single-digit percentage-wise right. in a perfect play for him. Right. Yeah, I, uh, we're getting to the point. I think, and maybe we can uh, kind of tie this in with college volleyball because I think there's some uh, carryover in this argument, which is I think we need to stop with the country quota stuff. There's enough talent worldwide that having a maximum number of U.S. teams or Brazilian oh, teams or whatever yeah. that are a lot, you know, it should be. It's it's interesting how the FIVB wants to pattern itself on the beach side, anyways, after tennis. And not let the coaches be in the box, and you know, like yeah, these things that that mimic tennis. But we still have these stupid country quota limitations. Do you know so why? Are you saying? Well, you know, you know, my, what my feeling is as to why? Well, yes. I mean, they're they're going to say that it's to grow, grow the sport and give everybody an opportunity. Right? Wrong. Well, that's what they're going to say. I don't. <laughs> maybe that's not the actual. Why do you think it it's is coming down to money? Obviously. Because you get money from the federations. It goes back to the same way soccer is run. If you run the federation, you can get the support of, if everyone is equal, and you can get the support of all the countries in your sport that suck, who all want to come in and play and be a part of these world tournaments and still want to participate through the zonal system, through the the country quota system, through whatever the, the soccer system is that makes it happen for World Cup then you have a voting constituency that can keep you in power. It, so all, for, it always comes back for to volleyball, money. It's, it's a business. Yeah, it's about the African countries. If you can get them, because they're not that good at volleyball largely, but if you can get the support of several of those countries, then great. If you can get the support of the Asian countries, also of whom many are, are not of Olympic quality, and you can, but you can get the money and the support from them, then you can run the organization. 
Well, with the star system now, though, I think they should maybe keep that in place because I think that would only be relevant at sort of the lower level tournaments in that, you know, USA or Brazil, like these bigger countries could field a lot of teams that would be better than maybe like an African zone team or something. But once you get to the four and five stars, I mean, the, the best teams are the best teams. It's not like it's not like the USA could just go, oh, the gates are open and we could field six teams in the main draw. How you know I mean? how would you qualify for if you're a brand new team that has zero points then without country quota and stuff? How would you get into the world tour? You have to start playing one stars and two stars and stuff like that oh, okay. to accumulate points. Because yeah. I mean, we have guys that are quality teams that could be competitive. Uh, you know, like Reed and Theo, for example. I think they they couldn't even compete in the country quota for Doha because they didn't have enough points. Even if, like, had they won the country quota, I don't think they had enough points to be in that qualifier. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You know what I mean? So they yeah. they had to go to Sydney and accrue some points, uh, you know, because there are those regulations. Well, it gets back to the indoor side, too, where on the Olympic qualification in particular, you leave home Yugoslavia, right. who's top five in the world, right. and they don't get a chance to compete for an Olympic medal because – oh, we're, we're only going to take a few teams from Europe and we're going to have qualifiers that feature, and we, we went over this at the time, like yeah. the 44th ranked, the 17th ranked, and the 29th ranked teams in the world. Like, yeah. What? Well, you go back to, like you said, right? Like Todd Rogers has said it, I think on this show. Yeah. And, and I know he said it multiple times, right? Like the quality of the teams at the Olympics isn't as difficult as like a four- or five-star FIVB event. It's one of the easiest tournaments they play. You play every other day as, one match. As f- yes, as far as the talent, right? right? Like the pressure's obviously way more. But the Olympics, right, you want as many countries in there because then now you have more viewership than you would if it was stacked Brazilians, Americans, whatever other country. It should be a showcase for the best talent on the planet, not a showcase for how can we make money running an organization? Let me ask you this, though, then. If you're a business running that organization, and I'm just playing the devil's advocate here, and you can spread volleyball to the world as opposed to... Because when... That doesn't have to be done in the Olympic Games. That doesn't have to be done in a five-star, to Rich's point. Do it with three stars. Do it with two stars. Do it with one stars. That way, when you do get in the Olympic Games, bully for you. You earned that spot because, because I'll tell you right now, <laughs> I was gonna, I was, I was gonna maintain through that, but then he laughed and I couldn't hold him. Where I was like, he said bully, I'm just gonna keep going with it. I was maintaining eye contact with you, didn't look over here, but then his body language made me laugh at you. Um, we just lived in the medieval uh, England, <laughs> <sighs> but then it means something because right now, you know, I, I have to go back and look, but I want to see. What's the average finish in the 12-team tournament that is the Olympic Games on the indoor side for the African representative? I guarantee it's like 11th. I'll have to look it up. But they haven't finished even inside the top 10 in a 12-team tournament, I'll bet, in I don't know how many Olympic Games. Now, the U.S., of course, finished tied for 12th in Sydney. (laughs) But but, We dragged the average up in subsequent (laughs) Olympic Games, though. (laughs) But look at their finishes. Their chances of meddling, Tunisia, zero. Okay, well, D- 
Do you think that the Olympic Games should be a different argument, though? That's a different event with different goals and so forth. So I'm not I think entirely opposed. Best, but. I'm not. I'm not opposed to that either. But I'm not opposed to it being representative of the world in its entirety. Okay. Just because that's. I, mean, I can that's see the, that argument as well. Yes. Right. But that doesn't mean that the week in and week out tournaments should be like that. The ATP again, the tennis example, like in tennis. That's not the deepest field either, right? Because you have those same worldwide representation uh, stipulations on that field. Uh, but, and, uh, one, you know, at Indian Wells, you can have yeah. uh, Vavrinka, Federer, and if there's another Swiss person, that's fine. It's not limited. Speaking to of tennis. For Brazil, too, I think you should see more women's Brazilian teams probably than you should other countries. Right. Period. Put more of them in. Name the top... American tennis player right now. Serena Williams. On the men's side. <laughs> uh, uh, I like... Joe, the, Joe Sock or whatever I his like name that is. we have a... No, 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 no. Jack Sock? Jack Sock. That's this, his name? That is That's his, his name. real exactly name? That's right. his real his, name. S-O-C-K is his last name? And his first name, J-A-C-K. <laughs> Jack Sock. <laughs> That's right up there with... Uh, I remember talking to Hoff. He was not allowed to name his kid Jack. Yeah, <laughs> especially if his middle name was me. <laughs> like your parents know they know what they're doing, right? When that happens, like they how I don't know because I told you on the show before. There's a family named the Bird family here in in my town. One of their kids is named Thunder. <laughs> Thunderbird is that yes, kid's name? That is his name. Okay. What? Unless who, who uh, was uh, who was Richard Pound? He was like the Dick the, Pound, the president of what the the IOC? Anti, oh, IOC. Oh no, no, anti-doping. Maybe? Anti-doping. Yeah. yeah. Dick Pound. Richard Pound. Richard Pound. My grandfather's name. True yeah. story. Who went by his middle name? Last name Man. M A N N. Okay. First name Harry. <laughs> Why would you do that to your child? I, I mean, don't care if you're naming them after somebody. Why would you do that to your child? There's two ways to go with it, right? <laughs> Either he's a manly you man. have some deep-seated resentment for having kids in the first place, <laughs> and you want your kid to take a beating. Or I blame you for ruining or, my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy being selfish until you came. Or you think that's a way to like harden your kid. He's going to have to fight his way through, and he's going to come out tougher on the other side, right? Uh, the or sh- you're very, very... Uh, Ignorant. So blatantly so. So home improvement, the show. Yeah. Tim. Why is his last name escaping me? Allen. Tim Allen. You know his real last name is. Allen Ofsky. Dick. Tim Dick is his name. Tim Dick. Yeah, you would have to change that. Yeah. His his uncle for reals, Peter Dick. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? For real, because I read his his book years ago. Well, I just he said that you know it's of course the butt of endless jokes. Yes, he right. said the only one he really found funny was that someone asked him, "Did he have a sister, Anita?" Yeah, <laughs> nice. I just that's why he became go, a comedian. Yeah, because you go backwards yeah. in history where everyone was you know Peter's son, you know like last names had meaning. Blacksmith were, were his yeah, yeah. right exactly yeah. were his ancestors just assholes wall to wall. <laughs> so much so that they ended up with that last name. No idea. No uh, idea. But, that, but I remember reading that just thinking, oh, my goodness, what, what torture that must have been. There are just kid. certain names like, All right. I'm changing it when I get older. Right. As soon as I can legally change my name, it is being changed. 
All right, let's get to College of All Blue. Yes. Brought to you oh, by the American so Volvo hungry. Coaches Association. <laughs> Want to bring in our correspondents, Jay, Vinny, and Robbie. Gentlemen, are you there? Yes, yes sir. I, I, I don't know how we can top that conversation. I mean, that <laughs> well, well, let me let me let me try to top it. There was a girl in a rival high school that I went to. Her name, her first name was Charity. Her last name was spelled M O U G H, pronounced Muff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, your parents have to think about that and help you out. And you dated her they before do. or they after I really like Eric Chen coming in. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Jay, did you hear what Rich said? No, I did not. He wants to know if you dated her before or after Irene Kara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, no, I did not. Yeah. All right, all right. No. Guys, uh, Jay, welcome back. Thanks for being a part of it. Last week, you were on your way to rent a van for your team to come out here and have Pepperdine shell you 3-0. Not to get excited about it at all, but tell us about your week in California. Wait, Uh, what type of van? Yeah, they're just minivans, you know, typical rental minivans that uh, any average team would use. Um, You know, Pepperdine... uh, Pepperdine is a two-headed monster. They've got David Weizorik and, and Michael Lecture, and those two kids are really good. And I thought we went into the match well-prepared, but unfortunately, you know, Pepperdine just, we had no answer for those two guys. So we went down 0-3 with them, and then we went out to Phoenix and, and played Grand Canyon. And they are the hot team of the moment. And, you know, they just beat USC, and they, they beat Loyola the previous weekend. And, you know, we went in there and... and uh, they gave us a good fight for the first night, but then the second night we were down to well and, and swept them in three in their place, and that was a good feeling and a good way to end the trip. So we're happy about that. Excellent. Uh, good for you on that. And, yeah, Grand Canyon has been, as of late, outstanding. So uh, quality win for you guys. Uh, the number 14 yep. spot last week we'll see. Oh, wait, hang on. I just got the poll here. Oh, first time all year. Our note from our buddy David Portney says, all season long, Long Beach is not the unanimous number one. Two votes for Hawaii. And George Mason, you're holding steady at 14. So one, two, three are the same. Uh, Long Beach, Hawaii, Santa Barbara. Then Pepperdine back up to four. UCLA, UC Irvine, Lewis, BYU, Stanford, and Loyola of Chicago. Robbie, big battle in the Big West. Uh, Long Beach State and UC Santa Barbara. Man, it went the distance. 3-2 Long Beach on the first night. First time they've lost a set since losing one to USC earlier in the year. And then the next night in Santa Barbara, it was 3-1, and it almost went 5 because Santa Barbara had them 24-21 in the fourth and blew it with five straight points. What on earth happened? Well, you know, the Long Beach team came out, and we were waiting for the the true TJ DeFalco to show up, which he did on that second night. We haven't really seen like a – a really dominating performance at TJ because he hasn't had to, but he really stepped it up that second night. You know, got he broke the uh, Scott Szymski's ace record at uh, Long Beach State earlier that evening, and he just got on a really hot roll offensively, hitting well over 400. So, you know, he stepped up. But I will tell you one thing about this UC Santa Barbara team: got to watch them. They're they are potent, and you know, they they definitely have their weapons in uh, Corey Chavers and Ryan Wilcox. But who's impressed me the most since the beginning of the season is their opposite, Spencer Frederick. He's just jumped up to his levels, a four or five levels from the beginning of the season because he's jumping so high, he's reading the ball well, and he's contacting the ball at such a, a great top point of, of 
of sets. So, you know, he was he was a big part of that five set push against Long Beach State on Thursday night. And I'm telling you, you know, they're that Gaucho team is playing with confidence. You cannot take an eye off of that team because they, they're capable of pulling up an upset. And I'll tell you, well, the, and, and, the atmosphere, just one note, go ahead, Vinny, in a second. The atmosphere at UC Santa Barbara, I saw a clip from there, was off the hook. They unreal had, how good that was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they had both the upper decks full. It was packed for that match. Really good for the game. Vinny. Yeah, well, and I want to say, you know, talking about that second match at UC Santa Barbara, I think the real turning point in that match was the second game. UC Santa Barbara won the first game. They had multiple in the second game. They had multiple game points against Long Beach State and great defensive effort by Long Beach State in overtime. They were able to pull that out and really rally back. But I'll tell you, I have a lot more respect for this UC Santa Barbara team after seeing the way that they were able to play against top-notch caliber, the one of the greatest programs or teams we've seen in recent history in men's volleyball. Very, very impressed. I think that they are now in solid control for that final at-large bid. But they have a very tough schedule moving forward. They still have four matches against UC Irvine and Hawaii. Let's Are you on. having a party back there? Uh, my, <laughs> yeah, my wife is talking to Jeremy and Rich. Uh, she's fresh off hip surgery a couple weeks ago, so she's now bionic. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just always want to – she comes in the room, I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> we spent less than six million though, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> BYU beat UCLA three two. BYU beat Pepperdine three one. And uh, Jay, there was more complaining on the Twitterverse and so on about the refereeing. Uh, are we just going to deal with this for the rest of the year, the rest of time? Oh, Rich Lamb well, muted. <laughs> well, I- I'll tell you what. I-, I think it's pretty hard to argue. Uh, some of the, the calls that were made that were egregious uh, for BYU. Uh, and, you know, when, when it's, it's tough when you go into an opposing you know, territory to begin with, and then when you're getting calls that should be made that are relatively easy, uh, and even when the replay system shows that they're easy, and then you run out of challenges, and all of a sudden you're in a position where you cannot challenge anymore, and that's tough. And, you know, you say all you want about... Uh, about BYU's refs. They, they are what they are, and I think people know that going in. Here's what I think the real story of that match is, though. And if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend you do. The fifth game against BYU, Hawaii, UCLA literally had the Micah Ma'a show. This was his uh, pro highlight reel for the future. Any agent who didn't think Micah may have had the goods for the future, that guy went on a tear, and I believe he had... 11 kills in the fifth game or yeah. 10 kills in the fifth game. Every ball went to him. And if it didn't go to him, it went to somebody else briefly and went right back to him. There's one play where he literally was in the zone five. The ball gets set up to the right back for the opposite. The opposite didn't even bother approaching. Micah ran across the court, goofy footed approach and puts the ball down. That's I, I, I'm really interested to talk to the coaching staff to see if that was a conversation before that game by them or if it was a conversation where Micah looked at Spra and said, give me every ball, I'm going to win this match for it. And that was an unbelievable display of volleyball by that yeah, game. Yeah, and it is one of the greater performances I've seen in a losing effort since, co- since covering this match. Right? You talk about playing four straight sets at setter 
and then they move you over to the pin hitter position. I mean, you put up double digit kills, double digit digs, double digit assists. It's just a great performance. I, you know, that is your highlight reel moment when you start talking about national player of the year. Yep. I don't know how, how you can give it to anyone else, but Micah Maha, because of everything that, you know, he's the best all around player in the sport with all due respect to what Long Beach State is doing. I also want to give a little bit of credit to the folks at BYU TV for the job that they were able to do. And this is going to be, you know, really, really nerdy broadcast production wise. But, you know, the fact that they were able in between the fourth and fifth game, they had the wherewithal to keep an eye on who's hitting lines. And they were able to tell everyone, hey, Micah Maha is moving outside before that first point even took place. That is a great job by their producers and their camera crew to be fully plugged into everything and not tuning out during an intermission. I did not know that Austin Matatia was injured, uh, I guess horribly, and carted off uh, in a match earlier this year. So a little get well for that kid. Uh, UCLA and the staff there could not say enough good things about him. And it's just a kid, not just a volleyball player. Rich Lamborn, you have yep. something to add to the BYU discussion? I just had a question for our panel at large here. How do you respond to the notion that BYU referees make calls purely based on faith? <laughs> and do you think you disagree with their calls because your faith is not strong enough? It seems to me that they're praying the replay doesn't show that the ball is in by a foot and a half. I mean, that could be well, it. evidence is neither here nor there, Kevin. <laughs> well, it's because they're forgiven. It's guaranteed safety. It's a security <laughs> yeah, the, right. the, the, the question yeah. – go ahead, Vinny. You have something? I, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I do think, though, because of the BYU calls this year, I do think that one thing that really has to be discussed at least for the NCAA tournament, the committee has the power to do this, is making all game game points and match points automatically reviewable so coaches don't have to waste the challenge, kind of like we see in football with a touchdown. Because could you and imagine turnovers. the situation, right, or and turnovers, sorry, could, could you imagine the situation if a coach is out of challenges and there's a blown call and that's how the championship is decided. So I really well, think that's something that needs to be considered at the NCAA and conference levels, making those plays automatically reviewable. Well, and the, and the, the reality is, is that the coaches across the country, both on the men's and women's side, we need to band together and tell the NCAA, Hey, we need to get those challenges back. If we get them correct, if we, if we get yeah, them the wrong, international system. It, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think the international game, Two per set is is an awful lot. We don't need that. I'm okay with three per match, but if we get it right as a coach, we deserve to get that yeah. challenge back. Because I'll tell you right now, Stanford and UCLA got hosed on a bunch of those calls. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And, and, and you know, I'll go the other way as well. I think that if the ref was right, they should get the microphone and say, "Ha ha ha! I was right." <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, Vinny. <laughs> no, 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 no. The dumbest idea is you have a 17 bracket. And then you say, we're going to have a play-in match. We're going to base that play-in on geography, <laughs> regardless of who the best teams are. I, I would yeah, argue yeah, that's you're right. You're right. But good point. Good point. Point taken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I got the thing with BYU. The question came up here, why do some teams have replay and some do not? It is a matter of cost. It was that way for a while yep. on the women's side, inside of Pac-12. We had three, yep. two teams that started, and I think four teams the second year before everybody had it this last year. 
Uh, if you were with us last week, we talked about the new effort from the developers of Data Volley Video Check that's coming out that has been in action at Long Beach State men's matches. So uh, we talked about some of the costs there. I think it's 25000 the initial purchase and then $6,000 a year to run it, something like that. So there, there certainly are some cost issues but it, good that they're using it at BYU. I think it's just uh, it's showing some things that people have long suspected, and <laughs> it's, it's definitely generated discussion. So that's good. Blasphemy, Kevin! Blasphemy! Yeah, I know, I know. I've been on the receiving end of it back uh, in the late '90s, though. Uh, getting on to Vinny and the Midwest, Lewis defeated Loyola Chicago three-one. I was in-house for that one. Speaking of a packed house, uh, not a big arena, but it was jammed. For what was a physical match, Vinny? Yeah, I, you know, really great match. You know, it, Lewis has been one of the best blocking teams in the country for you know for the last couple of years that that showed. And then offensively, Matt Yoshimoto did a great job running the offense. They hit more than three hundred. And really, the X factor I think this season for Lewis has been the play of Julian Moses. You know, this is an individual who really started the season on the bench, wasn't getting a whole lot of playing time, but due to injuries was inserted into the lineup. And just that senior veteran presence really has taken advantage of his opportunity, especially playing in a different position, kind of playing in the oppo role. He's really done a great job. And Lewis is clicking right now. They are in complete control of the MIBA two match lead on first place. It looks like the ticket to the, to the NCAA for the MIVA is going through Romeoville, Illinois. So Loyola with some uphill climb. Lewis definitely in control there. Ohio State, it still is shocking to me, Jay, when I wander by the board that has the MIVA standings on it, and Ohio State is 2-6. and six. Uh, yeah. It just seems seems oddly atrocious. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, but again, they are dealing with the injury bug just like everybody else. And, you know, Ohio State has a few good players on that team that can they when when they're all playing together it's pretty pretty tough team to beat you know you got Jake Haynes on there and you got Lisa and you got Devil Bass and you got Snell they're they're Saturn running the offense they're really really tough to beat but what they what what has happened is is that their exposure of weaknesses around those players when the other guys step up that's just the issue for Ohio State and I know that. You know, people are saying, God, it's a Division One school. It's one of the best programs in the country. They should have guys that are backing them up. It should be good. Well, those guys are injured, too. And, and they're putting out – they have a kid that was setting, and I don't know if he's still going to the rest of the year, but he's a libero coming in. And that, that just shows you that, you know, the, the depth that they maybe thought they had at the beginning of the year is not so strong. So Ohio State is probably going to be in a rebuilding mode this year. I'm not too sure they're going to make it out of the first or second round of the needle playoffs. Uh, Lewis right now is definitely in control, and they were the team at the beginning of the year that I thought would win the Neva, uh, and sure enough, they're proven to be that just that team. So, Jay, staying with you for a second, uh, Penn State, Ball State. I know someone who was at the event. They were very upset with the number of service errors. Said it was one of the ugliest matches they've ever watched, and that neither team is really having a great season. How would you characterize that match if you saw any part of it or watched stats from it? Yeah, no, I, I watched it, and, and the serves, you know, the, there's something to be said about having to be aggressive because of what we've talked about before with putting the second serves over. If you just kind of lollipop it just to get it in, you're, you're going to get the ball shoved down your throat. The, ch- the challenge, I think, that people uh, don't understand also is Ball State's not an easy place to play. And when, even when I was at Penn State, the, the gym is just cavernous. And it's like Long Beach State for obvious reasons. It's just a big, hollow place. 
and it's tough sometimes to gauge that ball in a toss. And so, you know, Penn State has got uh, a number of kids that are injured as well. I think they're playing four freshmen right now. And those kids, you know, you're young. You're trying to figure things out and getting into a rhythm and, and finding your place on the court. And I'll, I'll hand it to them. They're fighting and they're competing and they're taking some teams five. But I think Penn State is also in the position of, hey, I think this year we're going to take our lumps and, and try to get out of the EIVA as best we can. And But those kids in a couple of years that are freshmen today, they're going to be really good. Penn State's going to be a handful in, in probably two, tw- 2020 or 2021. Yeah, and in having a great opportunity to talk to Mark Pavlik a couple weeks ago, you know, he he was kind of preaching exactly what Jay was preaching. Is hey, you know, you look at the people on the court, what they've had to do. There's a lot of positives. He's he's been really obviously he would like more wins, but he's been really happy with the resolve of this team. And you know, for them, you know, we talked about Jay Kane's being out for Ohio State, just as big of a loss for Penn State has been. Calvin Mendy not being able to play so many matches because of a shoulder injury. So, you know, once again, though, for Penn State, if you get into that EIVA tournament, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot. You got four good teams, two matches to get in the NCAA tournament. I, you know, that's going to be really interesting. And then on the other hand, you know, being able to watch that match, you know, between Ball State, Penn State, yeah, I'm going to agree. There were a ton of service errors. Ball State, you know, still continues to have that issue of, you know, struggling passing and not being able to run in system and they're at their best like most teams when they're able to run in system so you know once again it kind of gets down the cardinals you look at it it's them and csun i feel for this decade have been the exact same program in terms of hey they they have this one bright spot are they going to take that next step forward and we're all kind of waiting for them to take take that next step forward and just doesn't seem materialize every single year just saw on Twitter that Vinny has been banned from the campus at Ball State. Sorry about that, Vinny. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you know that that was due to a couple other things. You know, I apologize to Charlie Cardinal for hitting him, <laughs> but you know he started it. So you, you know, it's really on him. But you know, we'll fight this in court. You know, I'm I'm pretty confident that, that, that we can win at least get to the Ninth Circuit. Right now, Rob Asparrow is in a contract year, and so he's wondering if I'm going to ask about UC Irvine losing to Concordia of Irvine and ask him to comment. So, Robbie, I hate to put your contract at risk, but I'm in journalism, so we got to te- check it out. Yes, and I hope people caught right. that joke. But Yes, yes, yes. So, as they, as they call it the battle for Irvine. It wasn't really much of a battle. Unfortunately, Concordia, Irvine coached by Sean Patchell. Let's, let's drop another BYU plug on there. Did a great job of coaching these guys. He's, he's finally got Raymond Barsimian back after being out a good portion of the season due to the injury. And they, they handed it to UC Irvine 3-0. And Irvine didn't have a, a, a response to it. I mean, they came out pretty injured. They started with Garcia, et cetera. Carl Applebach was hitting the left side. They had uh, Seconda playing what? opposite. Yeah, he's playing left side and, and didn't go so well. So um, we just depleted. <laughs> Scott Static uh, was taken out of the match. I'm not quite sure why, but, um, you know, obviously there there's some reasons as to why he didn't finish the match. And, you know, it's just a different looking team. And it's a bad time to be in this funk because, you know, at large is still at stake. And, you know, there's one more shot for Irvine. And, and I think this, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's a big match this weekend that we've been watching pretty closely. But Irvine okay. has, has got to figure something out with uh, with the injuries that they're dealing with right now. And it's, it's not going to be an easy road. Concordia Irvine, apparently with their best player from the 1960s, Raymond Barsimian. That's uh, Raymond. I still say that with my grandfather, whose name was Raymond. Uh, nice. Amazing. Yeah, it's he. He did some cool time travel. It's really insane. Yeah, it's a time. <laughs> Good line, I guess. Yeah. 
All right, gentlemen. Uh, have we missed anything in particular in our discussion here? Hawaii beating everyone up. You got to talk about that team because they thump season. I was watching this last weekend. Uh, Rade Parapunov is literally he's on fire this season. This last weekend, he hit a co- combined of, on the weekend 600, 29 kills, only five errors the entire time against Northridge. And he's I gotta, definitely tough to I stop. I got to agree with that. And I also got to think that, that there's two players on that team also that are sticking out to me. One is Colton Stone, a throwback to a smaller player that can play the game at a high level, doing really Cowell. nice things. Cowell. But not only from his, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> doing things from the service line, hitting the ball well, passing the ball well, blocking well, and he's doing all the things that they need. But here's my dark horse for player of the year, Joe Worsley. That kid yeah. is yeah. really running that offense at a high clip. He is an unsung here hit uh, person to people that don't know about him, but don't be fooled and don't be surprised if he's not in the final two people or three people list for uh, player of the year. Yeah, good call. All right, yeah. I like that. Let's take a look forward then. We'll start with Jay. Jay, what are we looking forward to this week? <clears throat> well, I got four matches that I'm going to be watching, and I'll talk about the, the most important one at the end. I'm going to be watching Ohio State and Penn State, two teams right now that seem to be limping a little bit. I want to see who can pull that one off. I'm going to be watching Princeton at BYU and playing Hawaii out there. Princeton uh, has won some pretty big matches this year, and they're leading on conference. I want to see how they do against the big boys. Here's the match, though, that I think everybody's going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about something specific, and that's Hawaii at BYU. Obviously, you've got the number two team in the country undefeated going up at BYU. Here's why it's interesting. If you look at the MPSF standings, the home team has a significant advantage. UCLA is 7-1 and one at home. But they're seven and five on the road. BYU is nine and one at home and two and five on the road. Pepperdine seven zero at home, six and six on the road. Stanford thirteen and two at home, one and six on the road. USC seven and zero at home, one and seven on the road. Ooh. And so, and so you put all those things into context. BYU has one loss this year against UC Irvine at home. They are obviously known for playing better up in Provo. It'll be interesting to see how Hawaii reacts to all that. And if they come out unscathed if they get some bad colds, or if they can indeed pull another upset off in Provo. That's the big match I'm watching. Vinny. I think that there, yeah, that, those are some big matches. Some other ones to keep your eyes on. Coker. I, you have, yes, actually, well, <laughs> Coker, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know who Coker is playing, but since you want to start in that region of the country, let's go to that region of the country. Spin the wheel. We're at North Carolina right now. We're going to talk about Barton. Two very big matches this weekend. Barton playing Harvard. Why is this match so important? Is because right now the Conference Carolinas has a better non-conference winning percentage than the EIVA. The EIVA desperately needs to catch up its conference winning percentage. That all or conference non-conference winning percentage that all ties in the RPI. There's a very good chance that Barton could have better data, better numbers than the EIVA team, which means there could be a chance that they could host that play-in match possibly. If the IVA opponent is within 400 miles of Barden, so keep an eye on that. And then the only team to beat Barden in the Conference Carolinas this season has been North Greenville. Those two teams meet again. We'll see how Barden is able to react. Barden is playing very well this season once again. They're hitting 300 in, mo- in most of their conference matches, 400, 500. Yes, the quality of competition is not what you would see in the West Coast. But don't let that fool you. This is a good team. They beat 
Grand Canyon. They beat USC earlier this season. It's mm-hmm, a very good mm-hmm. program that they have there. I've now, always, on, Vinny, I've always been more of a fan of South Greenville, but I guess I'll ride with uh, well, well, yeah, you know, South Greenville, once again, you know, uh, intriguing program that's non-existent could be on the <laughs> merch, though. You know, you really have to keep an eye out for Ross Geller on the outside. And then Corey Matthews playing middle. That is a really, really good player. Did, uh, you got to keep an eye did South Greenville almost get the win, but they got swept? Is they, that they, did. They, they, they did. They did. They did. Jeremy's favorite. The Dillon, they lost to the Dillon Panthers. I mean, it was a close oh match, but you, ne- you never know. All right, bring now, me back he, to something I know of, Vinny. Come on. All right, so I'll bring it back. You know, I think out in the Midwest, I'm really intrigued. You have Lewis and Loyola. They're doing the Hoosier road trip. They're playing Purdue-Fort Wayne Ball State. Pretty big matches. I'm really – I've been excited about this Purdue-Fort Wayne team. They're playing well. Pelgrim Vargas is an outstanding player. He's someone you're going to see on the international scene for Puerto Rico in years to come. You know, Purdue, Ball, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Ball State, those are difficult places to play. Let's see how Loyola and Lewis re- react down there. Let's see what they're able to do. And then also in the in the Midwest, an intriguing match as well to keep an eye on is going to be Lindenwood, Ohio State. We hit out on Ohio State a little bit earlier in this broadcast. Now the question is, okay, you got a lot of players healthy. Everyone's been saying, wait for them to get healthy. Okay, let's see what you do against the Lindenwood, a team that's in sixth place in the MIBA, who you lost to earlier. You're playing them at home. Keep, what can happen there? And then the final match as well that I'm going to keep an eye on, we talked about the big one in BYU, but another one as well that's intriguing is going to be Princeton versus McKendry. McKendry has done a great job this season and really rebooting that program and continuing to grow. They got a lot of young pieces in place. Princeton playing very, very well as well. They're in a good position to make the EIBA tournament. And I'll say this also about McKendry. You look at everything that McKendry's had to go through this season, having a death of a teammate that that they've had to to work through, the fact that they're continuing to get better. I know that they're not going to make the NCAA tournament, but I think that with a top-four finish in the MIVA, Nikki Staley, their coach, really deserves consideration for the National Coach of the Year. All right, busy week for Vinny. He's got eight matches listed there. Robbie. <laughs> I'm not going to give you that many, but there's definitely one I'll be watching. It'll be UC Irvine at Pepperdine. Um, <clears throat> because particularly when it comes to at-large implications, I feel like this match will have huge implications because you don't want to be a team that has seven, eight losses. And right now, both Irvine and Pepperdine are uh, Pepperdine's 15 and six, and UC Irvine is 14 and six. And you start getting that seven, eight range, you definitely are losing hope for that last at-large. And um, with how tight it is, especially in the MPSF, you got a bunch of teams with six losses in the MPSF and UCLA, BYU, Pepperdine, and then over uh, on the Big West side, you've got Irvine and then Santa Barbara is, is fifteen and five. So you know we got to be watching like these these upcoming at large implication matches because uh, it's going to come down to super super precise calculation come that second at large. And so uh, for sure, be watching that Pepperdine UC Irvine match. And then Long Beach State at USC. It's Long Beach State has been a fun team to watch, especially. Uh, when they've been changing up their lineups and they've been able to uh, be as successful putting in like Ethan Zigreed in place of Lewis Richard, you know, and, and getting some service substitutions, but they're playing extremely good ball. They, they had a scare from UC Santa Barbara, but you know, in the end, this team is playing very well together. And what Josh Tuninga is doing to run that offense and just really motivate that team, they're playing at a very, very high clip. Well, good thing we know that Long Beach is actually qualified to be at SC this week. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> they had to pay to get in, remember? 
All right, gentlemen, thanks very much. Appreciate your contribution. Good luck this week. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Benny J and Robbie checking out here on ABCA College Volleyball Weekly. So checking back in will be Team J Rich across the way from me here. There's a. You remember 45 minutes ago when that segment started and Jay Hosack <laughs> said Charity Muff was the name of a girl? That's all I got out of that. Other than the Princeton McKendry matchup is going to be uh, staggeringly exciting. I, I wondered why when you were eating your uh, breakfast bowl, you were kind of cackling. <laughs> laughing about that the whole time. I'm very Beavis and Butthead. I like it. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, promote Kelsey Robinson's uh, website once again for those that missed it before. Nomen Play. I have it up on my website, on my thing here because I was checking through USA Volleyball's uh, deal. with. They're doing a nice job of reporting on how everyone's doing overseas and championships and so on. And Kelsey has some no-bake cashew protein bars here that I need to print out the recipe. Kelsey Robinson was the most listened to slash download episode of ours last year. Ooh. Ooh. Excellent. And we had some other... Uh, we didn't even have the Clown Prince in here with her. We had some other uh, big episodes, too, <laughs> that you would think would have been number one. But. I don't know. Those were filmed and broadcast elsewhere, apparently. <laughs> at least one of them. Uh, let's see. What else do we need to get here? Oh. I, wake, wake if forest. you didn't know better... I know I have a couple things, yeah. I mean, I have to congratulate Vinny on his salesmanship. <laughs> because... <laughs> Straight-faced saying, don't sleep on the Princeton-McKendry matchup. And also, did he list one of those teams had a hitter named Ross Geller? I mean, who's setting for them? Chandler Bing? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You wanted to touch on, Jeremy, Michael Jackson and R. Kelly songs at events. I mean, we should have jumped on that when we were back in the disgusting world of – uh, oh, convicted yeah. volleyball felons. <laughs> I almost did at that moment, but I knew yeah. we were getting close to whatever our next topic was. Um, Are you not allowed to play that, or it's a? It is a. If you play an R. Kelly song right now, the crowd, unless you're in Chicago, probably the crowd will not be pleased with you. And yeah. Michael Jackson now with this new documentary that's out is um, a little bit of a touchy subject, so I have stayed away from it. But what I find interesting with all of that is schools and pro teams. Like, I I have no problem playing. I wasn't playing R. Kelly anyways um, prior to this documentary coming out unless a client specifically asked for it. Sure. Um, But the song Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter, if you look him up, he's actually been convicted in multiple countries. Yet bands play that song all the time. That's the... Yeah. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't think they realize... Well, yeah. People don't know. No. It's just it, like the amount of moral relativism that we involve ourselves in on a day-to-day basis is kind of astounding, right? Well, life's complicated. You ever, do you, you ever watch Braveheart? Yeah. I mean, Mel Gibson is in a lot of ways a terrible person, right? Sure. Especially if you're uh, of he, the Hebrew faith. But I'm not watching Mel Gibson. <laughs> Oh, you're watching William William Wallace? Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I mean, that's there's the yeah, relativism, right? You, know, you make right? a good point. I mean, you know, if you invest it, like, you ever go watch a Roman Polanski movie? Okay, but being an anti-Semite is different than being a child molester. True, well, true, but I'm just saying, like, where, where do you where draw, do you draw the, line? the line, right? Well, that's right. Where do you draw the line? Well, I draw it somewhere, somewhere My thing those with two things, our Kelly songs is that he was literally singing about it. Hmm. 
I can't pick a Michael Sullivan. I haven't been an R. Kelly fan anyway, so I have no no does, dog in this. Does ignition here. mean something I don't know about? Trapped in the closet. Oh. You know, yeah. age is just a number. You know, just things like that. <laughs> yeah. True story. Like, right. Yeah. But then do you go, the Beatles did a song, she was only 17. And that is a, about the exact same thing of dating somebody who's underage. Uh, the Beatles. Yeah, but that's Europe. 17 is probably legal over there. <laughs> Seriously. But, and 17 is way different than 12. Yeah. To get back to our discussion earlier. And what a show this has been. But that is irrelevant because it's still illegal. Not well, maybe not in Europe in the and 60s. Then why would you write a song that said she's only 17? Why does it? Well, I don't know the answer. Because well, that's that. still young if you're, you know, 34. When they, I, when, I, when they were I don't want to speak early because I don't know the law, but yeah, point taken. Um, were Michael's songs, I don't know any of the songs. That, PYT? You're, do you ever play Elvis no? Presley stuff? I mean, I know that's not. Oh, we can go down the whole line yeah. like. He married a 14-year-old. Same, but so Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13-year-old cousin, and yeah. people are playing Great Balls of Fire still. Right. Right? So with Michael, though. Freddie Mercury was gay. <laughs> <laughs> but according to he the, was? According to the movie, he didn't know for a long time. <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, well, he was married. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, yeah Michael's, though, but way. the thing with Michael Jackson was interesting because a few years before his death, it was it was – kind of do we play Michael do we not and it kind of shied away from it and then after he died it became okay again. It like washed all that away. Washed yeah, all that weird. away and yeah, then now really that weird. this documentary is back I think it's maybe out, why the documentary got made. Look and there's nothing other than it's new people that are making these allegations right like you hadn't heard from these specific individuals before they're not saying anything if I would be curious to talk to somebody who doesn't believe that Michael didn't do something inappropriate. I would like to hear their – but yeah. in, in R. Kelly's case and Michael's case, neither one has been convicted, R. Kelly yet, um, where Gary Glitter has. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, then you delve off into Bill Cosby as well. Yeah, but I don't know any Bill Cosby songs I'm playing in my DJ sets. <laughs> but there's a, more of an emotional attachment to Michael – especially for uh, a lot of generations because his music was that whole time period. Yeah. And like that cancels out basically half of my DJ sets if I'm doing a corporate function. Well, yeah, his his music is way more transcendent too than R. Kelly. What do, you, what do you do with Roman Polanski movies? I, I, it's But same thing with, uh, what's his face? Uh, do you ever watch a movie? House of Cards. Yeah. Oh, Kevin Spacey? Yeah. Yeah, Seven's still a pretty good movie. Because uh, then you go to, he's still getting money from that if I watch what's it. What's in the box? Yeah. yeah. You ever watch a Miramax movie? Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Pe- like, I, I don't know. I, I kind of refer to, uh, you heard the Bill Burr thing. I probably sent it to both of you guys where, I don't know, we think about what Schwarzenegger did with his maid and, you know, there was all this to do about that and the illegitimate kid that they had together and so forth. Does that cancel out Terminator is the joke line in it, right? But, like, people do terrible stuff. That doesn't sully their art, right? Like, you like the song or you don't like the song. If it has messages about doing terrible yeah, stuff. Yeah, R. Kelly's, like R. Kelly, yeah, I mean, he's I mean, basically like, telling you what he's doing. Is Beat It a worse song because the guy who made it was maybe a pedophile? Well, that's where I think Not it comes down to an individual. As a DJ, 
if the crowd doesn't want to hear it, I'm not going to play it because sure. I don't want them to turn on me. Sure. But right? I mean, just individually. From a like- moral standpoint, I, for, I, you know, and it's, there's hypocrisy involved for sure, but like, I stopped playing R. Kelly. I also stopped playing that well, Gary you, Glitter but song. But you playing it is a different thing. I understand because you have to cater to other people. But but like I but I you... made the decision, and I didn't like post on Instagram or nobody was. I don't know the last time somebody asked me for an Eric Kelly song besides the Ignition remix. Yeah, um, that is one of my clients' favorite songs. I haven't done an event for them since this all came out, so we'll see how that goes. But um, the Gary Glitter song, I did stop playing because of. No, I get that. I'm asking you personally, oh, would you stop listening to Michael Jackson just because maybe he was a bad person? Because, I mean, like, do you have a responsibility to investigate the personal life and make some kind of moral judgment on every no, artist out there? You don't. I don't think you do. That's why I think it comes down to individuals. Um, but if when prior to his death, when we weren't, really playing much Michael Jackson, I was fine with that, right? I wasn't, yeah. But, I mean, again, I, I get the distinction between you having to worry about yeah, an audience that might be... I personally, I don't... I don't know. I'm not listening. I'm not bumping Michael in my car or R. Kelly while I'm driving around. But I don't think I've made that decision as a moral choice. Yeah. Um, but like I said, that I, and I have this conversation with other DJs, like, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Because, like I said, Jerry Lee Lewis... James Brown, noted wife beater or woman right. beater. Like th- there are all kinds of things that we could get into. But when it becomes, you know, when it's the job side of it, right, not the personal side, like becomes popular like this, then yes, I don't want the crowd to turn on me. Life's complicated. It is, bottom line. for sure. I mean, it's, it, and most times, not most times, many times, those that are producing fantastic art in so many spaces have suffered or are individuals who are on the ragged edge anyway. And that's part of what unless, produces the circumstances that then produce the art that people enjoy. Unless you are a Christian artist, and even probably then, every single song is about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Every single song. So if you want to get the moral high ground on everything, they're all talking about sex. Every Maroon 5 song has a curse word in it. Yeah, but I don't, every I don't, single I don't one. find sex to be morally reprehensible. No, ne- neither do I. <laughs> Right, but a lot of people do. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, I know it's weird. That's what I'm saying. It's weird. Yeah, it, every single Maroon Five song has a curse word. Listen to Maroon Five songs. Majority of them have a curse. This love, she yes. will be loved, has a curse word. Listen in it? to moves like Jagger. Well, I just asked you about two songs, and you told me a different song. I'm I not- did. I don't know. <laughs> like that's just the one that pops in my head. Most of yes, this love does have a curse word. I like when Team J Rich goes down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. I'm sensing division. A majority of their songs have curse words. Every single one has it. Yeah, you backed off that. I, you didn't know I had a whole library of Maroon 5 songs in I my didn't head. know you were a fanboy for... Uh, Harder to Adam breathe. Levine. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, I mean, if we want to talk about talent, that guy is like unbelievably talented. A lot of people don't know that. I, I mean, how, I, how talented he is, I, I think. agree that he is talented, yes. You ever seen him play a guitar? Yes, at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'll have to send you this... <laughs> He played uh, Purple Rain at a Howard Stern I, birthday party and absolutely shredded. Oh, I have no – I do not dispute that Adam Levine is a – What is your problem with Adam Levine? That he thinks he's way cooler than he is. Well, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> he's pretty cool. Best friends with Jonah mm. Hill. Mm. Is he not pretty cool? Mm. <laughs> 
there's a I don't solid, know personally. I don't know him personally. There's a solid chance that he's an enormous douchebag. But if you can check off more than one Victoria's Secret model, <laughs> you are then automatically you cool <laughs> on a certain level. <laughs> I mean, even if you can only check off one, in my opinion. If you go to right. the Victoria's Secret fashion show <laughs> instead of going on Tinder because you have that much <laughs> of like, a swipe, success swipe. potential, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you are pretty Cross freaking cool. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Let's, Speaking of moral high ground, uh-huh. are we allowed to be friends with Fergie anymore? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Right? You like that transition? Yeah, let's get to the college recruiting and admissions scandal that has ensnared uh, multiple people, including Bill Ferguson, who's been on this show many times, former head coach at USC under the men's side. That was so far probably down. Probably former head coach at In that article I sent you guys, like, I was so intrigued by the article. Because one, well, it doesn't surprise there? me. I had no idea. I'm oh, just reading, man. reading, reading, reading. Yeah. And they said, William. And I was like, William? I, was like, yeah. I had to, like, look at it a couple of times. Like, it's yeah. Wake Forest. That's where Bill – I'm confused. Yeah. yeah. Uh I, I have one comment off the top about it. Stop with the actresses. Stop. Well, that's what gets you to read the article. No, it, enough. Everyone knows they're involved. Stop showing their picture all the time. There's 50 people there. Enough. I don't care anymore. But that's you, the general public. Who? Uh, if What do they get put? Bill's photo up there? No one would click on that article. What's the criminal thing that they're engaged in? Well, it's going to be tax evasion, and then they mail keep getting fraud. charged with racketeering and mail fraud. So Because they're paying money to a charity that's really a money laundering to that individual. Right. Oh, that's what it was? Right. It's it's like Al Capone, basically. It's how they got yeah. Capone was racketeering and interstate right. commerce yeah. issues. Yeah. When the feds are coming after you, that's not good. Because I didn't understand how so, they're just they're paying this dude, right? And he's like greasing these wheels to get them their yes. kids in. Yes. But they know about the underhanded nature of it as... Is the They're going to claim they don't, but... Oh, no, yeah. they have them on wiretaps. Some of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah, some of them are dead to rights. Yeah. Uh, I heard they took out Donna Heinel from USC in cuffs. They took the wow. Ooh. head coach. Who's that? She's the former SWA at USC, and we'll oh. get to the volleyball tie to that in just a second. Ooh. What's SWA? I know SWA. Senior Women's Administrator, so it's a Associate Athletic Director. It's okay. the highest ranking woman in the athletic department from an administration standpoint if you don't have a female. The, SWV was a popular the scourge of every uh, male coach. In, uh, <laughs> uh, so they also took the I, – and I, I don't know remember his name. Like It's an Eastern European name, the head coach for the water polo team for SC. They were mm-hmm. in Hawaii. They took him off the deck oh. in cuffs. Oh, my god! Is what I heard. The feds do oh not. The feds gosh. do not mess around. I think they made a big show of I, it. Yeah, I think oh, they want you that. Think? Yeah. They made a big show of the whole thing. Yeah. So uh, Donna Heinel, for those that don't know, is the person largely credited with getting McHaley fired, right. firing him directly, right, and ridding USC of him. Now I've seen various. <laughs> I have seen various. Was she being very bully, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> bully to her for getting rid of. <laughs> I have reached out to Mick today. Uh, he said that given the pending lawsuit between he and USC, he cannot comment uh, on anything that's gone on. You think? I thought you said uh, he texted back, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much how I, that he felt last week, I'm sure. Uh, now, the speculation I've seen, because the timing is interesting. Why? Of the start of the investigation, McHaley's dismissal, the timing of that is mm. interesting. The timing of McHaley's departure... And the alleged timeline and needs for 
Donna Heinel to get a kid into school via the volleyball program is interesting. Now, this, all this is conjecture. This thing is going to be so much bigger than you already know right now. I am very interested to see – this will be two years down the line, but I'll be very interested to see the adjudication of the timeline when they figure out when things happened and how and who was involved. If Mick Haley's firing is related to mm. – Donna Heinel's illicit activity. And by the way, they have her dead to rights. Whoa. And think about, there are already civil lawsuits coming out. There's going to be, once those timelines like you're talking about come yeah. out, there's going to be more lawsuits. By the yeah. way, the, the lawsuit from the kids who are, quote, disadvantaged by this program, <laughs> by the, the university being worth less than the degree, stop filing lawsuits, you morons. Go to your classes. You're not even involved. So, like, Students John Smith? a class action lawsuit against the university, I believe at Stanford, that their degrees are somehow worth oh, less because, because of this. Yeah. Uh, Knock it off. Huh. Knock it I off. I hadn't heard of that. That kind of stuff is what ticks people off with lawyers. So, do you, do you think, are you saying that uh, you think Haley didn't play ball with her and that's why he was let go? Is, is that the implication? That is the that, insinuation of insinuation. stuff that I have read. Okay. Interesting. That I'll be interested to see how the timeline lays out. Uh. I had dinner personally <laughs> with Mick the night he was fired. Oh, really? I uh, was at dinner. Weren't we there? You were there. I don't. I think I don't know if Rich was there. Were you there at that dinner with uh, Volleyball Mag? Barbecue. He was there. Yeah. Yeah, because Lee, Rich, and I walking together. Lee finds Wagga Volleyball Mag. Hey, Rich, come sit next to me. Jeremy, go sit down the other end of the table. <laughs> Uh, that was that dinner. That was that dinner? Yeah. That was that dinner. Mick had been fired that day. Yeah. Oh. A few hours before. Um, and the the discussion I had there was that this person, Donna Heinel, had come out of nowhere to attain the position of SWA. And I checked that back. I thought, okay, who is this? I've never heard of this person before who just fired Mick Haley. Kevin, mental note. I checked it back at that point. This is two years ago or 18 months ago. Yeah. 18 months ago. I checked it back, and I looked on USC's website. Who is this person? She had no bio. Here's your senior women's administrator and associate athletic director at your employ, and you have no bio for that person on your website. Huh. Which made me at the time wonder, gee, I wonder why that is. Was what I've been told about her lack of qualifications true? And I moved on. Whatever, I, we're not stepping in the weeds, we moved on. Well, now this happens, and if that person truly had no qualifications, but they were greasing everybody with money, because it was ongoing at that point, had been for a number of years. Let me get the door for you. <laughs> that's how you attain a position like that. Interesting. Do those things relate? I don't know. Time will tell. We're all right. And somebody just said on the chat board, the timelines will be interesting. And more people and more schools... Oh, you're going to come out from this. Here's the other side of it for me. Before you get to that, yeah. did you hear how this whole thing started? Uh, I did, but remind me. It was another investigation with some Wall Street guy. That's right. That for some leniency against whatever they were going to charge him with, he's like, hey, I have some information on this whole other thing going on, and it oh. turned into this. Wow. Yeah. 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 So he probably got a lot of leniency. Hopefully, then. at this point for him, he's like, see what I did for you? <laughs> Here's People want to be really outraged about this thing. Here's my not outrage about the whole thing. What is the difference between someone putting a library on the campus and their you, that generation and the next two generations of people getting into that school guaranteed and what went on here other than 
that vehicle of money buying entry is now available to people that don't have $25 million, they have a half a million. Because, and I'm not naive enough to say these other kids had to do this, but they still had to take the SATs like everybody else did and only had the did X they? amount of... That's what I'm saying. They should have, right? If my, if my dad gives $25 million to SC, I'm getting in. 100%. Doesn't matter what my test scores are. I'm going to SC. I'd like to know... Why my dad doesn't just write me a $25 million check so I don't have to go to college ever. And I also find it interesting <laughs> that these famous people who have money, obviously, if they're paying all this, why not just pay – why does your kid have to go to SC? I, it's a good question. I, it's a status Like you thing. could get them into somewhere else like or – yeah, it's a status thing because it's a lot of Ivy League schools and so forth, right? It's like the prestige of it. I mean, it's it's all people aren't paying motivated. to get into bargain. But you understand the outrage of a kid who literally is working their ass off because their oh, family yeah. has zero money that doesn't get into a school because of something like called white privilege and rich privilege. Okay, but that assumes that that's the next person on the list, right? <laughs> that, that assumes, person, but that person could, we don't know who the next person. But that on the person list could is. not be on the list. Period, because of this. I mean, okay, in theory, but look, Santa Barbara last year, 5,000 spots freshman year. Yeah. 100,000 applicants. So but the odds are, that the next person in right. line has been working at McDonald's since ninth grade, <laughs> saving money, and they're, they're raised by a single mom. So should we not care about they're this? They're the first generation to go to college. Then should we not care about this? No. But, so then, but what, the then what's your argument can't is? be that. Sure it can. No. Yes. Here's, because here's the, like this. some the of these kids got into school on an athletic Scholarship, even though they weren't on the rowing team, that's right. how they snuck them in. Not a scholarship, yeah, but you but know what Kevin's saying. Yeah, yes, me, but that's yeah. how they got in. Like, oh, we're not going to—they're not going to make the rowing team. I, but now you get in. Yes, right. you would. Let be me pissed. give you an analogy, sports-related. It's like you run into these people that were briefly on the national team, and they go, <laughs> "I didn't make the such and such Olympic team because I hurt my shoulder three years prior." Like you weren't even playing in drills and practice, <laughs> right? You weren't. Yeah. You weren't. Number 13, like you're saying, right? Right. You weren't next in line, and right at the critical moment, you hurt yourself. But people tell, like, rewrite their own narratives, right? Oh, yeah, I would have uh, actually challenged LeBron for greatest of all time, <laughs> but I, I strained my knee when I was 14. <laughs> like, you extrapolate this wild career that you didn't have the wherewithal to put in the time for, right? As if that was the only thing holding you back from that. I agree with you that people all of a sudden, oh, I was just on the cusp of getting into Yale, but this person, this one person took my spot, and now my whole life is ruined. Unlikely. I, I, absolutely, I think people should be punished, but I, I'm not sure I understand the level of outrage either. The three of us are also white as well. So yeah, okay, but the outrage it's the same. admissions of but universities it's, it's are socioeconomic for thing. people. For sure, but there's thousands the, and thousands and thousands of people. I mean, yeah, I don't and know. And these, these universities can admit anyone they want, anyone they want. And Sh- at, at some point, it becomes the the argument we get. But into if you're in saying volleyball. I have to get into it this way, but if I have a bazillion dollars, I don't have to do it this way, then that's not fair to me. Yeah, but f- it fair doesn't matter. It does if that's the system you're saying. That's how you get into school. Well, how, it, how many, that, that's just how the many school people lying are, about are how people in get this. in. It's a it's a private university. It's not a public university. It's private. How many people they are decide in this who scandal? comes? Oh, they're charging thirty plus people right now. Fifty, 30, I think. Fifty. The rest of fifty. Fifty people. people. Out of how many? <laughs> 
50 people. But that's not. So that means 50 people in this country should be outraged. The one report that. that I read said right? that that's it 50 was people that they have proof of. That's it not was 800 kids. It's not like the guy okay. that got them into school only has. Let's say it's 1,000. Why are you and I outraged by this? I'm not because I'm not going to college. And I'm not surprised care. in the least. Everyone knows this is how the world works. If you have a bunch of money, your access to things is vastly improved. And for every level of money you have, you have more access. True story. Should these kids be suspended from these schools? They're getting social media harangued out. So it's The kids that got matter. in on that way? That knew, like there are some of these kids that are like, I had no clue, obviously. And then there's some kids that for sure 100% knew. Yeah. But if you're not qualified well, to go to that school, should these kids be expelled from school? I feel like I'm missing something obvious, case even case as basis, I say this, I but explain what it is to me. What's the difference between mom having a million dollars to pay for me to get into school and me having ridiculously subpar test scores, but uh, I'm a 300-pound lineman getting into school huh, that way? Yeah, because mean, the lineman's making money for the school where Joe Schmo is mom paid 500 grand well, well because the, school, the lineman but. has a skill that is valued to sell to the school basically so the school is admitting you based on that not just based on a monetary contribution right now again the schools can take whoever they want right you literally sc stanford princeton they are private institutions but they, they have private clubs in their whatever that says you even as an athlete you have to but have their own this rules. For sure, that's their own rules. But then again, if then why? SC have doesn't have that. Listen, rule. I've talked to I've talked to multiple volleyball programs. You have to have a certain GPA for Stanford. SC SC does not have those rules. It's a private institution. I'll introduce you to plenty of people that went to SC that you would struggle to <laughs> hold a conversation with. Yeah, so they're private institutions. The crime here is the way the money was funneled, we talked about that earlier, that's the actual crime. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can pay extra money to get into SC or Stanford or somewhere else should be of no surprise to anyone. It's been going on forever. I don't think it's a surprise to people. And if you have a marketable skill, a la offensive lineman, then exceptions will be made. In fact, I've talked to a volleyball program who lost a recruit to another volleyball program where that other volleyball program supposedly has these stringent requirements right. to qualify grade-wise. And the person who lost the recruit goes, I know what the grades were. There's no way that person should be getting in. Right. Well, and yeah. they got in because you have a marketable skill. The corruption... Does it run with Schmanford? <laughs> the corruption shouldn't surprise anyone at this level. Yeah, the reason I brought up the offensive lineman thing is just to highlight the fact that, I mean, right or wrong, the rules aren't the same for everybody. One, that, <laughs> Welcome but, to life. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to life. I, I mean, and that doesn't, I mean, if people are doing something criminal, if they're funneling money through like fake charities, right. absolutely. Well, but that's I mean, what they're being charged with and not just being charged with. We're oh, talking more about the outrage, not the crime. We're talking about the outrage surrounding the notion that, Oh, this is such a surprise. Right. It's not a surprise. It's just another example of in moral relativism. Oh, you well, mean socioeconomic every, uh, division. A, yes, 100%. Which is what's going every on in the country. Every rock star isn't a uh, saint. You don't say. Every yeah. well, but director. The, it's another example of the gap between those who have opportunity That's what the outrage and is. those who do not is widening. That's what the outrage forget is. Not the, that, forget the oh, money I'm shocked part. that this rich person got their kid into school. It's That's the not the opportunity part. Forget the money, like the actual money. Everybody wants to say, oh, they don't have as much money and wealth. Well, no, it's the opportunity. So the relative opportunity to go from a person who lacks 
means to a person who has means from, you know, whatever teenager or, or youth to an adult, that is, that gap is widening further and further. What bothers me is when, and this happened to me, I had this conversation recently, a older white gentleman was having a discussion with me. Well, was like, well, if Obama could become president, every black kid could become president. That's dumb. It is dumb, but people legitimately think that. Yeah, and that's what bothers me people about. People are stupid. Well, duh. That's, yeah. <laughs> there there are real. Do we need to have a private conversation, Rich? There are real <laughs> oh, issues. No, I would just. Uh... <laughs> there, are, there are real issues. And yeah, one, one example of something does not eliminate the overall problem of something. Uh, what I read for Fergie. Yeah. Um, was $100,000 funneled through his, one of his club or Thanks. tournaments that he put oh boy. on. Personally, what'd you say? I said yeah. yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Federal indictment is yeah. no small thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, good luck to Bill Ferguson and that whole thing. Man. Because I think the, I know I think I said it on text, but I le- legitimately think the, when the feds have like a 90% conviction rate. Right. Yeah. They don't move until they got you. <sighs> right. And they have, I mean, they have wiretaps, like Rich was saying, in Donna Heinel's case, they have her s- talking about. Oh, that was a great fake website you put together, a fake profile for that athlete. Let's do that again. Not, <laughs> they literally have her saying that. So <laughs> Because the guy that – Good job. You're smoked. Because the guy – That's why I see dismissed her. The one guy that they – that was running this stuff behind the scenes. And by the way, he's not the only guy in the country doing this. No, it's not the only one. He was like – they approached him like, hey, you're in trouble. And he was wearing wires and talking to all these parents. So like, yeah, they are all screwed. Yeah, it's uh, it's big trouble. But – a hundred thousand dollars. How about the one who paid one point six or one point two? I think if it was 1. I can 6. pay Rich one point six million dollars to get my kid in the school, my kid doesn't need to go to school. Well, it, but it's all relative. <laughs> it's, it get back, gets back to the same discussion of, oh, how could you pay for hundred thousand dollars for a car? You know, yeah, well, if you make ten million dollars a year, then a hundred grand for a car is whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But it's just well, numbers. selfishness, though, right? It's the yeah. It's the ability to go to whatever your social circle is and go. My That's kid true. goes to Yale, and no. look at how. I, yeah, I don't understand that thought process on a personal level. Oh, my kid goes here. <laughs> you kids should go where they where they Well, yeah, but that's the circles like, that they run in. But that's just right? a like version the, of how I mean I agree with you. Your your parents don't brag about you to their friends on some level. Sure they do. My kid looks the same now as he did when he was 22. <laughs> my, <amazing. laughs> my kids the Lakers DJ humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean sure there there's that, but the Oh, my! I remember being at Boys J.O.'s in 1996. My brother was a high school senior. I'm sitting there watching him play. My mom is cheering like crazy for my brother and his team, right? They're out of the Midwest. We're out in San Jose. We're playing against, like, we're and playing against Balboa Bay. Kevin's jealous because his parents never cheered like yeah. Who to this like day is him. one of the best boys clubs team, clubs teams, club teams in the United States. My mom's cheering like crazy, being super loud. <laughs> this woman looks down her nose at her. Oh, why are you so loud? My God. Our children go to Stanford. I, just go to <laughs> I thought it went, I thought it was a Southern California bro voice was she, at first, uh, and it changed a little bit. It was not far off from that exaggeration. <laughs> One by of me. the Vanderbilts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vanderpumps? Vander- <laughs> so, yeah, literally like that. In meantime, I'm sitting next to her. Was she the other family on that Dilly Dilly commercial? <laughs> 
<laughs> Your child isn't as good as our, our parties are much better than this. <laughs> but Linda was like that, and I'm sitting next to her, and I just, I was like, "Are you really?" Did you tell that lady to shut her mouth? I don't think I did. My mom just sort of ignored her, but I literally should have said it because I'm an all-American at Pepperdine at that point. Like, hey, That's, shut uh, your mouth. Humble brag. And we have arrived at the real point of telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than all your children ever were and ever will be. So deal with that, lady. Oh, you were in the Olympics? That's interesting because my kid was in the Junior Olympics. <laughs> 96. Yeah. You probably know him. You probably know him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the timelines will be very interesting to watch in this whole time. Oh, this story is going to get bigger. But it's going to go on forever. It's just going to go on forever. All right. I think we covered it all. Do we talk enough volleyball for people today? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll, we'll ask Michael Saeed and we'll send him a questionnaire. <laughs> How many minutes of volleyball do you Feel think? Feel free to send I your... never even got to the correlation of should there be country quotas in beach events, like how that correlates to indoor volleyball. Do you think we should have MPSF and MEVA and EVA anymore? Or is the sport big enough in our country that mm. we should just have the top however many teams make the postseason? How do you determine top teams? Well, I mean, they can compete in their conference, but I mean, you know, then it goes to like more like a basketball system. How do you do it in basketball? Yeah. Well, if there's a bunch of AQs in basketball, then it's all at large after that. And it's done on RPI. It's like the women's tournament. Well, right. But I mean, you can take the conference winners and then you can look at strength of schedule or whatever if you have conference runner-ups in those conferences. But should the winner of the East Coast Conference go right to the final? This year? No. But we, we've gotten to the point where that's the case, though, because we have the, the seven teams now and you have the play-in match. And the problem for men's has always been there's not enough space for the good teams. So in years past, you've had a MIVA or an EVA team get in when there's obviously two or three teams sometimes in the West that were better than those teams. Well, right. And that's, and that's my question, though, is the argument's always been we need to maintain or promote the popularity of the sport in those sections of the country. Same but argument's going on with Conference Carolinas right now. Are yeah. we past that point yet? Where with we Conference just... Carolinas, I think Vinny certainly would argue no. But the, the way to get past that is to have more at large and have an eight-team tournament because by then, the next team that you would select, you go, oh, well, they deserve to be there. Yeah, but that team may be better than, let's say, the EIVA champion. Mm-hmm. If you were to select another team from some other conference, right. that team may be better than the EIVA champion, but also has little to no chance of winning the title. Sure. Well, there will always be, regardless of how big you make the tournament, a team like, oh, they a should bubble. be in. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the well, men's that, tournament should be bigger. That goes. <laughs> the to, problem is, is like the bubble's been this big correct. for the men's. Yeah. yeah. That goes to Todd's comment about the Olympics, though, too. Strength of field-wise, it's not the best tournament ever, but all the top teams are there. So once you get past pool yeah. play, you're still playing yeah, you're still getting the, the top, elite yeah. teams in the world. Yeah, but oh, – I didn't but see the crappy problem, teams in Rio come semifinals. Nope. Yeah. The problem is, I think, particularly to Brazil on the women's side recently, mm-hmm. you would cut it off at two teams to make the, the Olympic field for Brazil mm-hmm. when legitimately there was at least one more who could win the women's tournament. Sure. Maybe two. Yeah, who they'll could play win the, the women's tournament. They'll where, be in the qualifier, and then all of a sudden they're the fourth seed in the tournament. Right, and you, you're knocking <laughs> off actual championship potential. Sure. Medal potential, where you know Brazil could sweep the medals the way they have at so many events, uh, and, they, and they could sweep the Olympic Games. Yeah. Uh, there's an argument to be made there for sure. 
Yeah, Serbia is the ultimate example of a team that could not qualify out of Europe and then because the qualification system was so jacked last time, both men's and women's indoor side, they did not make the Olympic Games when legitimately that team should be there right. at the Olympics competing for a medal. And for goodness sakes, get rid of Egypt or Tunisia or whoever else you had from that zone. Because Serbia actually could win the tournament and Tunisia has zero chance of winning the tournament. And everybody, it, it's always funny to me when we go to the event there's always a handful of people in the volleyball world who want to talk up how good the worst qualifier is. Oh, well, you know, they've been much improved and this and that. They could, and they win one, two matches, or they win a couple of sets, or they push somebody a little bit. You know, I don't want to hear it. They're not going to win the tournament. They're not going to go through four good teams to win the tournament. It's just not happening. Well, and they push those teams because those teams could care less about them. Correct. And I had this argument with a coach uh, a while back about, the number of teams that could win the women's tournament here in the United States in the women's field for indoor. In that field of 64, how many reasonably can win? I think it's like five. And somebody says, what about, I think the discussion was Utah a few years ago, who was good, but not great, not their best team that they've had. And I said, yeah, I really like Utah's team, but can they beat three, like top five opponents in a row? No. Could they beat one? Yes. Could they beat two? Maybe. Do they win three in a row? I don't think so. I'm not, I wouldn't put my money on it. And, and I, so I think a lot of those teams then, you say, yeah, well, that team cannot win the tournament. And, of course, the coaches I'm arguing with, being coaches and still involved, and I would feel the same as a player, of course we can win. Yeah, because the competitive side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course. Of course we can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can win the $550 million Powerball, too. It's not likely. Right. You guys would never, ever hear from me again. Come on. What about Team J, Rich? All right, you're right. Actually, Rich would get a text from me. <laughs> My uh, gains train fees would go up astronomically. <laughs> I would have a killer shop. I'd be making some really Speaking cool of which, stuff. is that an anvil or a toilet on your shirt? That's an anvil, bro. Okay. ZH Fabrications. Look them up. Zach Herberholt. Didn't know if it was one of those stuff. like backless. Well, those like. Tankless toilets. Those uh, <laughs> Asian toilets that are super high tech now. Yeah. Oh, the Captain yeah. Kirk? No, they you still have the a Captain tank Kirk. on them, though. Yeah. yeah. The Toto. You're you need a Captain about. Kirk. Just ask. In your life. Have you been on a Captain Kirk before? Does oh. it shoot things in areas that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's awesome. Captain yeah, Kirk yeah. is amazing. Uh, why are you in the bathroom so long? What are you doing would, in there? I would buy one. Not what you it's think. It's like 1500 bucks. If you turn the pressure up high enough, it also doubles as a water pick. <laughs> <laughs> Phil and I once had. <laughs> One of us held you have to hold the seat. No, no. Etherton <laughs> held the seat and pressed the button. We wanted to see how far it would shoot. It shot out of the modular bathroom up onto the wall in the room. Oh yeah, it was powerful. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, when you were in Japan in 2020. Oh yeah, no, I'm not when, against. I'm yes, 100. percent When you, I'm just. Uh, my question was going to be, why does it need to be that much pressure to shoot across the room? Do, you will not have you questions after it. you do it. You I know, but I'm saying, why was it, why would it even need to go if, like, level 10 is shooting across Cleaning the room? power, bro. Yeah. Then, like scrubbing bubbles. Then you need to check what you're eating. But <laughs> you follow that up with, uh, I think it's called the breath of God that <laughs> gently and warmly dries the area with wind. Listen, listen. <laughs> when you and Mike Tarico are roommates. Because yeah. we're BFFs. All right. Then I'm go saying like try, the Ritz or something at that point. Go and try it. 
Look, I'm not saying I haven't used a bidet in my life. Wait, a European one or a power bidet from Japan? I have not used what it is you're referring to. The European one? Correct. No, the Japan one. That you're I don't right. know how to use the European one. I don't know either. I do. There, you know, other There's wash rags. I have to. Do I sit on it? I don't understand. Other parts of the world think it's weird that we don't have bidets. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I don't know how to use that one. I know how to use the Captain Kirk. It is amazing. If it wasn't horribly expensive, I would have one in that other room. In Brazil, because the sewage system is terrible, you yeah. cannot flush the toilet paper. You have to throw it in the trash can. Which makes the bathroom smell really bad. Bad news. I didn't like that about Brazil. Or if it rains really hard, <laughs> the sewage system mm-hmm. comes up to the street. Happens in London, too. And it smells exactly like you think it would. <sighs> Boy, we've had some really interesting topics on today's show. Hope you've enjoyed it. I know Michael Saeda enjoyed it. I uh, hope he's still crushing left-handed jump serves. Maybe we'll see him on the beach this year a little bit. Uh, thanks to Tall Slim Tees. Code volleyball gets you 10% off. TallSlimTees.com. Dan DeCuster and crew. <clears throat> expanding the Tall Slim Tees product platform. Go ahead and check them out. Get yourself some good stuff. Get it for someone else. You know you got a birthday coming up. you got some Father's Day is coming up in June. Do something. Go buy something from Tall Slim Tees. The AVP season is coming <clears throat> up, so Kevin will have to get the Kevin V-neck. By the way, yeah. speaking of Zach Herberholtz, yeah, I've reached out for a little advice for a project that I'm working on. For there, the AVP? There will be a Fragile crate that will arrive in Austin. Because it will have something in it of interest. Will it have my smoothie that you stole from me? <laughs> That's New York. You'll have to wait. Fragile. I think my it's a. Ta- what do you say? It's Italian. You think that's Italian or French? I think it's Italian. He says. Is it Italian? Now I need to go back. It's a major award. Yeah, I need to go back and look at the. So the crate Christmas will story. be there. You two will probably see what it is before it arrives in Austin. Can't. But there will be. Shots of a fridge Well, crate. you better get going because Austin will be here before you know it. I know. I got to. I got to do the trophies too. I got to figure that out. Fragile. My nine mille. <laughs> All right. Thanks to the AVCA for their support of the program. Thanks to Tall Slim Tees for the support of the Net Live. You should support them. Thanks to you, the viewer, for being here. Thanks to Rich for showing up today. Really enjoyed having you here. And uh, we'll see you all again, I don't know, some other week. Next Monday? Most Mondays. Most Mondays. We don't want to commit to next Monday, just most Mondays. We'll see. Right. Maybe next Monday. Because Rich is here. See Correct. you later. Okay. <laughs>